What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guests this week are Texas-based rapper-producer-engineer Curbside Jones and Maryland-based rapper-producer-engineer Dexter Fizz. We talked about Space Jam, Parasite, fashion-forward rappers, the brilliance of A24 films, the dubbed versus subbed anime debate, how their mutual fascination with and respected trips to Japan influenced their music, and the creative process behind their latest project, The Last Train. Come fuck with us. What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back. This is, I think we're on number 13 now. Yeah, this is definitely number 13. Number 13 of Real Notes. That's that's the name of the show. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> uh, my name is Dylan Green, Cinema Sci. I got a bunch of names. Those are just two of them. Um, every guest on the show, every guest on the show is incredibly special, but I got two really awesome people in the room with me today. Um, both these dudes rap, they both produce, they both engineer. Um, and over the years, they've really just like carved out their own little niches within rap that have been really, really, really cool to see. Um, so we got Texas's own Curbside Jones and Maryland's own Dexter Fizz in the place yes, to be. Yes, like, sir. Yo, th- thank you all so much for coming on my shit, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks uh, for thank having you. us, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it. You're you're one of the few ones that followed through on what they said um, about, you know, helping us out with the last train. So I appreciate it. Nah, man, this has been a long time coming for like for yeah, like Curb, like you and I specifically, like I've been following Mm -hmm. you for a few years and like Dex getting to know your music over the course of the last like couple of days has been like I could, you you know, like anyone, anyone that he co-signs is like, I'm I'm there. (laughs) So like, (laughs) you know, nah, and yeah, like Curb, you were also one of like the really early supporters of this podcast Mm -hmm. as an idea. So it was just like I had it had to happen. So like. It's yeah, when nothing. you when you told me about the idea, I was like, "Yo, that's dope!" Like, I I really enjoy film and I really enjoy music, so it it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, nah, and they're just so like they're so there's just so much to go for. They're like, yeah, like even mm. just like rap specifically, but everything really. But like, yeah, like that's that's it. It, it was just a done deal. So um, I'm gonna ask y'all the first question I ask everybody who comes on this show. Um, for the both of y'all, like, what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Like, that could be mm. at the theater. It could be like at your cousin house. It could be at your. It could be at home. Wherever. Like, first movie experience. I actually took notes because I knew this question was coming. Um, <laughs> being an ex, being an ex journalist, you know, you got to do your your research. So I already knew this question was coming. So I'm gonna let Dex go first because I got notes because I have. I have quite a few. Uh, so I Let's actually, go. I listened to uh, your Flying Low interview and I realized that you asked him that question too. So I was like, yeah, he's going to test me. So let me come <laughs> correct. The first movie I remember ever seeing in theaters, I was like six or seven was Space Jam. And it was crazy because it was like me, my one homie, my mom and my friend's mom. And uh, I remember I was so pressed on like the Tasmanian devil that I had to get like the Tasmanian devil with the Jersey. They were selling it mm. at like the concession stand and shit. Hey, and it was like wow. a whole experience, you know, it was a whole experience. I remember it. Um, Michael Jordan was like my favorite basketball player too. 
uh, at the time. And then like he kind of retired and everything and then it switched to AI. But yeah, man, just seeing MJ on the screen was just crazy with the animation and everything. I, I just, yeah, it was an amazing it's crazy. Shaq was my favorite player at that time, um, but but I did have um, Space Jam comforter uh, with the sheets, and then I had like a Space Jam like a uh, basketball goal that was like mounted on my wall so I could like play in my room and stuff. Yeah, so Space Jam, that's where it's at, man. Yeah, that was yeah. my first time ever. Yeah. That's, that I remember. That I remember. Nah. <laughs> That's fire. Cause I lit I literally have a Toon Squad jersey in my closet right now that like I'm like finna Yo. put on this summer. It's 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 gonna go crazy. Like, <laughs> like yeah, with the LeBron um, drawing coming out too. Yeah, yeah. son. Like it, it's 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 really a special time for us. Like we're all we're all like between like 25 and 30, like on the cusp of that next stage of life. So like, we're really about to just get all our feelings, whether we watch it in the theater or at home, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah, um, that's facts. Because I can't remember, did, um, had, um, had Jordan already retired from basketball when Space Jam came out or did that happen after? Because I, I always, I yeah. I think he was doing a baseball thing or he was trying to stay yeah. baseball thing. That's why in the movie they had him play for the, mm-hmm. uh, right. the White Sox. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could, I could just never remember if that happened like before and that was like a joke that turned into reality or if it was like based in fact. Okay. 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 Oh, that's facts. Yeah. If yeah. you haven't seen, um, the last dance, you seen that yet? Not, I still haven't. Bro, Son. Watch that. I've been slipping. You watch that ASAP. It's great. It's great. He talks about like how he traveled with the cocaine circus and everybody and like going against like the, yeah, you just got to watch it. Just watch it. It's good. Yeah. My favorite thing I've seen from that so far is just him on the bus jamming out to what was he jamming out to on the bus with the headphones? Like Ooh, I forget. It was some like R it was some R and B singers demo that they sent him. Cause he was like, I didn't listen to rap back then. He only listened to like R and B. I think it was it may have been Michael Jackson something. It may have been Michael mm. Jackson. But yeah. Cause like on yeah. honestly, I feel like Jordan still doesn't like rappers. I'm gonna say probably that. not. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> nah. Yeah, that's a safe assumption. Yeah, good there. But nah, yeah, totally. Like Space Space Jam was really Space Jam was definitely a defining moment for me too. So mm-hmm. like, I feel you. Like I, I don't know, it wasn't my first experience, but it was like one of the earliest. And mm-hmm. it was a movie mm-hmm. that I remember just like falling completely in love with. Like up until very recently, it was like my personal favorite movie ever. I would still say it's one of them, mm-hmm. but like you know that you know you grow and you live and yeah, learn. Yeah. But like, there's That's- just something. Like there's just I'm I'm sorry to cut you off my fault. Um, there's just like there's just something about like watching Elmer Fudd argue with fucking Jordan about anything. I, I don't know. It just it just makes me. It's laugh, just so. outlandish. It's outlandish. Like when you think about it in retrospect, it's just so outlandish that it and it works because it's it works within the realm of like you know because Looney Tunes and stuff was very outlandish as well so as a kid it wasn't hard to grasp the idea of being like oh Bugs Bunny's playing a basketball game with Michael Jordan against space aliens that drunk the magic the 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 water and now they're like you know what I mean so like as a kid it was just so much going on that it was just like oh yeah for sure yeah for sure but I think like had that film came out like now 
I don't know if it would have hit the same because of how outlandish a lot of the cartoons and things are now. It's just so outlandish, like, you know, and they do the whole cross between, you know, the the computer animated and then the live action and stuff like that. So I don't know if it would hit exactly the same. Right. Um, but for us, like it was there was nothing like that, like, you know, at that time, especially on that level that you could like go to theaters and see and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because we were like, because like Who Framed Roger Rabbit was in like the late '80s. Like we weren't alive for that, or, or at least I wasn't alive. I wasn't. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie was dope though. Like I remember, I yeah. went back and watched it. I didn't know anything about it until I was like 12 years old or 13 years old. And I was like, "This is crazy. This looks so yeah. crazy." Mm. And this chick was just ridiculous looking. I'm like, "What is going on? <laughs> this is how people really just like portray women in, in animation and stuff." And I didn't know until like I saw anime for real, but. Yeah. It was you're talking wild. about Jessica, you're talking about Jessica Rabbit, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was, that was, yeah, man. The the 20th century was a wild time for women in animation. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Right. Anime God. too got crazy. Yeah, for real. Curb, what about you? Since you got man, your notes and shit, I have my notes. I have my notes here. So I can't remember what the earliest was. Like I, I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know, a Disney movie or something, you know, um, whatever the 90s kids were watching at that time. Um, I wrote down a list of the most impactful, though. So these are the most impactful ones that I either seen. So I I broke it down by um, by time, like kind of like time period, as well as like the format in which I've seen the movie. Um, So for theaters, the biggest one for me and I know a lot of people are going to be like, what, you know, whatever. But the biggest one for me as a kid was Pokemon, the first movie. Um, and I that one is a big one for me because at that time, you know, because I think around the time the movie came out, I was in elementary school. I want to say I was in third, third or fourth grade. I can't remember. Um, and I remember my mom took me to see it. Um and the line for the movie was like wrapped all the way around the building. And we waited in line. I got my ancient Mew card. I put, I brought, yep. yeah, I brought a um, two card sleeves. I brought one to put it in like the regular plastic sleeve. And then I brought one of the hard sleeves and I put it in the hard sleeve, gave it to my mom was like, yo, put this in your purse. And we sat through <laughs> the movie. She didn't know what was going on, um, but she, you know, heard me blabber about pokemon all the time so she just you know sat there for it and i thought that was really great um the next one i have that i saw in theaters that was super impactful which wasn't a good movie but uh godzilla 2000 um i remember (laughs) the soundtrack the soundtrack the thing about godzilla 2000 that made it really good was the promo leading up to the movie because back then that was like when McDonald's and all them would do their like little cross promos and they would have like, oh, come to McDonald's and you get like, uh, like say if you order a certain amount or a certain meal, you get like a promo item from the movie, like a, a cup or whatever. So I was really into that. So I was collecting the cups and stuff like that. So that's why that one was impactful because it was actually something physical to go along with it, the action figures and stuff like that. Um, the next ones that I had for theaters that really stood out for me, like memories that I will always have is when my mom took me to see the South Park first movie. Wow. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
so my mom I don't know my mom was one of those moms like she wasn't like super overprotective about like what I watched or what I listened to or anything like that um so she took me to go see it because we used to watch South Park you know at home so we would watch it at home and went to go see the movie all the adult jokes kind of just went over my head so I'm sitting there watching them tell Kyle to go find the clitoris and I had no clue what that <laughs> what that meant so I'm sitting there like what even is this okay so then as I got older I was like yo I shouldn't have went to go see that. This, is, <laughs> this was wild there's a lot going on here um and then on the flip side of that my mom took me to go see Freddie got fingered um wow. <laughs> And her mom didn't give a fuck. Not one. She knew that I liked Tom Green. So she was like, yo, that crazy white guy that you watch on TV, he has a movie. <laughs> Do you want to go see oh. it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, so went to go see that. Uh, I think I turned out pretty okay. Um, <laughs> a, another one within that realm was uh, Batman Forever. All the other Batman movies were good, but the Batman Forever one, kind of just like with Godzilla, they had the promo at McDonald's, you get yep. whatever. I remember I had a, a glass mug uh, with like the bat symbol on it and everything. Um, Mortal Kombat, the, the, both of them, actually, I saw both of those in theaters and uh, the Mortal Kombat movie just, you know, during that time, that was what, you know, like before I knew about like fighting games like real crazy like how I do now right. like Mortal Kombat was something that was in the house so I kind of knew what that was um then the segue into not actually going to the theaters but like uh just movies in general like when DVDs first came out it was like the big thing and everybody was like yo so my dad had to go flex and buy a DVD player and Mine the, did first, too. <laughs> the first two movies that he bought were The Matrix and Saving Private Ryan. And my dad, ex-military. So for anybody that's listening that has parents that used to be in the military or still in the military, they love them some army movies. I'm like, bro, you're watching a movie about your job. Like that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Um, but watching Saving Private Ryan was at that age, I want to say I was like maybe 10, nine or 10, maybe around there. Um, so watching that movie was crazy. Cause I was like, yo, this is so realistic. Like even now looking back on it, it's still one of the most realistic like depictions that I've seen of like a war movie. Mm -hmm. um, That's a rough movie for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like the scene where they pull up <laughs> on the shore and they're like trying to hop out, but they're getting Oof. like shot up as it. Yep. I'm like, bro, like I'm watching it as a kid. Like, yo, this is, is this what it's really like? Like, this is crazy. Um, and then just other movies, honorable mentions, uh, the one Jet Li. Wow. I watched, I underrated that, i watched that dvd so many times like i watched the movie too many times um enter the dragon bruce lee of course mm -hmm. uh jackie Classic. chan jackie chan's who am i i watched that movie so many times homie got amnesia had to figure out who he was uh um, i haven't seen that one then, that sounds cool that one either yeah it's a good one the final fight scene he fights against this dude that's like this taekwondo guy but you don't know it yet so he uh, they're on this rooftop and they're getting ready to fight. You know, Jackie Chan, I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. Um, and homie's like, nah, you came for the smoke. I'm about to give it to you. So he right. has on this, this blazer and he takes the blazer off and he throws it in the air and then 
proceeds to lift his leg straight into the air. So he's at like, like, you know, straight up in the air and catches the blazer on his foot and then brings it in front of him and then drops it on the ground. And then that's how the fight scene starts. And I was like, I got to go be in Taekwondo. So I was in Taekwondo (laughs) after that. Um, (laughs) That man's a legend, honestly. Like he does all his own, he does all his own stunts. He throws himself off the buildings. Like shout out to Jackie Chan, man. There's a, there's a scene in that building. I don't know where the, in the movie, sorry, in the movie where I think it's in Hong Kong. I don't know what building it is, but it's one of those buildings that's kind of like at a slant, kind of like a pyramid, kind of like. And he goes down the side of the building, like, Hundred story build like going down the side That's of the crazy. building, and I'm like, bro, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, even somebody said he pulled in rush hour like one and two was nuts. Yeah, you're you're crazy for that. Nah, that shit was od. All of it, like, yes. even even he's a even. Yeah, he's he really really is. I can't remember the last like. There's one of his movies that's on the Criterion Collection that I keep meaning to go buy, and I always forget about it. And I'm and, and like whenever the sale happens, I'm like, oh, they never got nothing I want. And then I remember when it's over, like, damn, it was um, it's 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 a cop movie. I forget what it's called. It'll come back to me. But nah, shout is out. Is it Jackie Battle Chan. in the Bronx or not? Nah, in the Bronx. Um, it's not. Um, it's gonna come back to me later. I can't remember right now, hmm. or, or maybe I'll look it up. But um, but yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're good. And then the last two I had was uh, anime, so we're dipping into that. So ones mm-hmm. that I can remember that were like moments for me uh, was Ninja Scroll and uh, Ghost in the Shell. And I watched those because my dad, I don't know, my dad, I, I kind of like how I, I was listening. You're talking about your dad, how your dad's kind of like into different things or whatever. Um, my dad is also the same. Um, for whatever reason, he watched these movies. <laughs> I'm not sure why. And he told me, he was like, yo, you can't like, you can't watch that. Like, that's not, it's not kids movies. And I'm like, bro, mm. like after watching South Park and all, I'm like, how bad can this be? Yeah. Um, so we had, um, like Showtime and all that when I was a kid, like through, I guess, Time Warner or whatever. And late at night, I, I had snuck in and I was watching it. And I was like, oh, Ninja Scroll, I'm going to watch this. So I watched the movie and I was like, yo, so is this like the other side? Like, you know, because then back then it was just like we had Toonami. So that's all I had to base any anime off of, like Toonami, right. Pokemon, Digimon and stuff like that. So watching that and then backdooring it with uh, Ghost in the Shell, I was like, yo, this stuff is crazy. And yeah, like at the that, And that's yo, what did it for yeah. me. Like at that young age, yeah. I feel that. Yo, yeah, same. Like at the, yeah, like at the time, like Toonami did not have anything like Ninja Scroll or like Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell. It, it, was, it was all like, like Dragon Ball was about as intense as it got. Yeah. And like- mm-hmm. And, and, and like especially now with like the relaunch, like they're airing fucking like Psychopaths and um Dead Man mm-hmm. Wonderland and like all Love like the really show. like yeah shout out to Dead Man Wonderland yeah, great show like mm. yo like just, just just like considering where Toonami started and where it's at now and like how like that bridge that you were just talking about is like because like for me my first my first moment like that was when I first saw um Akira in high school so, and i'm just watching tetsuo grow in in the in the in the sports college and i'm just like what the fuck am i watching like it was just <laughs> like i I'd, I'd never seen nothing like that before so it really just or, or like not like not that specifically so it just like yeah. 
it just it just bloomed. I actually watched <laughs> that. I watched that with my dad too one time, and like oh. we sat and we watched it, and I was like, "Yo, you gotta check this out, man! It's supposed to be like the best anime movie of all time. You gotta watch it." And he was just like, "All right," and then we sat down and we watched it. He was like, "Yeah, that was cool. That was cool, man. Yeah, yeah, that was cool." <laughs> that was his reaction, yo. When I saw that movie, my mom was blown, yo. And I was 19 years old when I saw that movie. That was the first anime experience I've ever really had outside of like Dragon Ball Z. Wow. Homies put me on to it because I just went out to school and they're like, well, you never really watch anime. No, you got to watch Akira. And then after I watched Akira, they put me on to like Trigun, Cowboy Bebop. And it was just like classic downhill from there. I just watched everything. But yeah, Akira is crazy, man. That's oof. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, it, yeah. That's like a that's like foundational for so many people I know. Like that's like like that story is just like, yeah, I, yeah. Like I watched Dragon Ball and Tsunami and then I saw Akira and then my whole life changed like it's yeah yep. like, it's all hand drawn too which was even crazier yes. yeah so much talent and the manga is even crazier too like i right after i saw it i like ordered the manga and read it it was crazy yeah. it's got so yeah. much more story in it a yeah me film, and my sorry a lot of no. film borrows borrows from that movie like you know there's mm-hmm. so many hollywood movies mm-hmm. that kind of went in and took it and kind of Put a little, try to put a little spin on it and stuff like right. that. I mean, the those who know know like, okay, oh, yeah. this is where this came from, um, which to me kind of kills any, um, it kills any chance of having like a really good Hollywood budget live action for it because mm. they have taken so much from it. And Kanye like, too, bro. Kanye took yeah, Kanye yep. and the stronger oh. video. Yep, 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 yep. So it's like it's been it's been that well has been drawn from so many times where I'm like there are people I remember when they were talking about there possibly being a live action and stuff people were like oh yes I'm hype I want to see the live action and Tom Cruise is gonna be in it and shit and I was like no I was like no No. I don't going the whole I don't want to see that don't want to see I'm watching that yeah hell no like it's 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 really interesting that you brought that up about like about akira's bones being picked so clean because that's how i that's what that's how i felt about ghost in the show when they made the mm. scarlett johansson movie i was like i was like every movie like, like from the mate like, like just the matrix alone is just like ghost in the show with white people yep. basically yep. and like so like it was just weird to me to see them like really just be like okay yeah we're gonna have scarlett johansson be in the movie but like she's got like the soul of a little japanese i'm like yo are you fucking yo stop like uh, for that reason i couldn't even watch that movie yeah, yo. Like, i read like, the manga for that too and i was like i'm not i'm not gonna see the live action mm-hmm. for the show yeah. just like i, well, I probably want to see a live action to care movie it would just ruin so much for me yeah nah like I'll, 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 I'll just i'll just i'll just wait for the recaps honestly i'm i'm cool i'm cool off that yeah yeah. Unless it's like amazing and they actually cast like based off, you know, everybody's no. character, which they're not going to no. do. It's Hollywood. Yeah, bro. come on. No, it's Hollywood. <laughs> you, are, you already know what it is. They wanted Jordan Peele to do it. And he said, like, I'm not doing that. Like he like he made a statement like I'm not directing this movie like they yeah. want me to, but I won't do it. And I'm like, good for you, bro. Yeah, Good for him. Like, <laughs> yes. They should get the dude who did um Parasite to do that. I think that would be kind of cool. Parasite is fire too. So yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Ten out of ten. Don't bro, get me started bro. on that movie. That movie? Don't yeah. get me started on that movie, bro. Yeah, it was I'm telling you. It was good, bro. It was good. I think you tried to you took did you put me on to that? You told me to watch I it. I probably did, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you. That after. shit was fire. 
after I saw that one in theaters too. So like Tough. it was even more because like I, you know, you have the whole theater and everything like that. And then at yeah. the end they had a QA actually for it. Really? Um, yeah, they had like a QA and they had like people talking about the movie and everything. Nice. Um, yeah, me and my wife went to go see it. She was like, Oh, you want to go see Parasite? And I was like, Yeah, because I had saw like the trailers and I was like, Oh, this is gonna be like a thriller, it's gonna be whatever. We get there. And she's like, what is this movie about? And she thought it was going to be about actual parasites, uh, like a right? horror movie. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, no, I don't I don't think it's a horror movie. I don't think that's what this is about. And I was like, honestly, I don't even know what it's about because the trailers didn't give anything. Yeah, away, they didn't say really. much. So right. after sitting through it, like sitting through it, feeling like I had the BGs the whole time because I was stressed yeah. out. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, I am so stressed. Mm-hmm. And I it's like I I want to root for you guys, but like <laughs> y'all might be getting in too deep. Y'all might be scamming a little too hard. Draw back, draw back. But then it's like, well, if the money's good, yeah, it was. Oh man, yeah. that movie is a yeah. masterpiece, man. It movie's is fucking incredible, son. And like, and like, if you think about it, it really is kind of a horror movie, though. Just not in like the literal <laughs> like they have parasites type of way. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, you're like you're like watching it. I learned like I hadn't. I didn't really know much about what was going on with the class system in in Korea and like mm. this really just like like it like it it inspired me to really dig into it in a way that I hadn't even thought about before and like Bong Joon-ho like the director is just he's 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 been making masterpieces like this for years yes. too like it's the guy mm-hmm. who made Snowpiercer and Snowpiercer mm. was crazy this, this might be his best movie to me I think and so just too. like and like at the and like my and like my favorite like my favorite, my two favorite moments in the movie are at the very end when bro comes out of the basement and his face is just bloodied and he just like looks up into the sun and his eyes just like, you could just tell that like he's been underground for two years or mm-hmm. however long it had been. And then he, and then he fucking stabs three people at the party and then yep. he runs up to the dad and he's just like, respect. And he goes off on the respect thing because he like, he loves this man, but he hates this. Mm-hmm. It's Oh, like, yeah, I, I can I can yeah. go off on that movie. All, oh, man. Like I showed my girlfriend that movie and she was like, she didn't really know what to expect either. And I was like, I, and she was like, oh, like, it's, like, oh, it's a Korean movie. And I was like, yeah, like, please, like, sit down and watch this with me. I yes. promise you're going to love it. <laughs> and at the end, she was like, holy shit. Like, that was a movie right there. Like, it was yeah. it was just like, like, even with the language barrier, like we like. People, like we were just on the edge of our seats the whole time. Just oh, really yeah. incredible filmmaking, son. Like that's. I remember I called Trav after that. <laughs> I don't know if I if I'm allowed to say his government on here, but I called Trav <laughs> after that, and I was like, bro, you gotta you gotta see Parasite, bro. The writing, bro. I'm telling you, you gonna love the writing, bro. It's crazy, bro. And then he went and did that podcast about it, and I was like, yes, thank you for. Thank you for speaking about it. Thank you for watching it. Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> nah, bro. That's that. Nah, that's the movie for real. Like, I got it. Um, that's one I bought on Criterion. I got it somewhere around here. I can't find it right now. But yeah, shout Bunch. out, shout out to Parasite movies, fire. Yes. Um, so for so for y'all, I kind of feel like we've already like touched on this a bit, but like. Was there a specific movie that made you guys fall in love with the idea of movies or like, did you have that moment? And if so, what, what, what was it? What would you say? Mm. Well, it's funny that you say that. Cause like, 
we were just talking about language barriers and stuff being an issue watching movies. There are a couple, I want to say, but like the first one where I actually saw it and it was just like a regular movie, not like anime or anything. Probably City of God. That Shout shit, out to that. bro. When I saw that movie, it's it's just like it builds up on so much, just like characters. And then it has like the, the twist of just, you know, you don't know what the heck you're expecting. It's like you follow little kids, they grow up, they become these savages. Like some of them have like good morals. Others are just like just out for like power and shit. And it just it was just a really good movie. I think that's the one that did it for me for real. That's a good yeah. one. Like, yeah, that's like. If like it feels like people talk about it enough, but like it also doesn't. Like I don't want to call it underrated, but like mm-hmm. I just I just can't sing City of God's praises enough. Like too good. Yeah. Like too 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 good. Yeah. I think for me, uh, hmm, I'll probably say like as far as being aware of like. <clears throat> elements of film didn't really come into like adulthood um as far as like you know understanding lighting understanding like color treatment understand like you know the scoring and how everything kind of gels together that didn't come to me until adulthood um and I feel like what really made me start to pay attention to a lot of that um was like what a24 was doing and has been doing like a lot of their films um like after sitting down and like watching like ex machina and stuff like that and it's a great movie yeah like sitting down and watching that and being like yo this is like there's so many things happening but like it all goes together like if this movie hadn't been shot like with this type of lighting it wouldn't have been a good like it wouldn't have been as good If it wouldn't have had these cuts and these scenes here to jump and do all this, it wouldn't have been as good. If the music and the sound, you know, hadn't came in at these parts, then, you know, it would have it wouldn't have been the same experience. And I think watching like starting with like that Ex Machina and then, of course, diving more into their like catalog of movies and stuff like that it kind of gave me a a more trained eye, I guess, like when I watch movies, like, oh, okay, like this scene, like when you talk about like, you know, Parasite, like even in Parasite, like there's that scene where the little boy is down in the kitchen getting the cake and then homie's head rises up from the stairs. Mm. And it's like- Mad eerie, yeah. It's mad (laughs) eerie, but it's eerie because everything else is lit. Like the- the, the foreground of everything is lit enough to where you know, okay, this is a dark kitchen. However, this one stairwell is pitch black. Right. Pitch black. But then when you see his head pop up, there's enough lighting on his face to where you can see that it's a person and you can mm-hmm. see that it's something. And it's not just a shadow in the dark. And I think stuff like that, like, you know, seeing something like that is what makes good movie. That's what make, you know. So I think, yeah, like I said, in my adulthood, there's not one specific film. I think it's just over stuff you notice of, over time. Yeah, over right. the yeah. course of time, and I think that kind of built up like my appreciation for film and and just everything. You know, I feel yeah. that. No, I feel that too. Like, like there, like there are three. There are three A two four movies that come to mind for me real quick. One is The Witch. I'm not sure if y'all have seen The Witch. I have seen that. That's crazy. Oh wait. <laughs> 
I've seen like all the A24 movies. No, I haven't seen The Witch. I've seen all of them. So so for Curb and anybody else who hasn't seen it, um, The Witch is this really crazy, like very, like it's a horror movie, but it's like really understated and like super duper subtle. It follows this like Puritan family that's like in somewhere in the Americas. It doesn't really matter. And like they, uh, um, the kids, the kids encounter a witch in the woods and one of them gets infected by the witch. And it's just about like the family tearing itself apart trying to figure out the whole shit going on and there's a and there's mm. a goat and there's a goat that's that that's that maybe the yeah right yeah you know, like he you know, he is the devil or he isn't the, no 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 it's all, no, it's all good <laughs> this is this is this is spoiler country but like fucking um it's like he either is the devil or isn't the devil like i guess he kind now now, now that i think about it he basically is the devil and like oh, yeah. I, I don't want to say much else but like the wit the witch is <laughs> no, the witch is really dope. tight like it's it's, it's um, tight. Like yeah, like yeah, like the ex um the little exorcism scene they have with the kid in the bedroom, like yeah. where 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 it's just like this like he can't be older than like ten or some shit, and he's just like acting, like he's just like it's not even like over exaggerated like crazy like mm. like he's like li- like he's he makes that shit look excruciating, and I'm like yo, like and and like to just talk about the lighting, it's just so. It's so stately, I guess, is the word I could use for that. It's like really, I don't even want to call it classy because I hate that word. But like, mm. it, it's 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 like stately. So like, so you got stuff like that. You got stuff like Ex Machina. You got stuff like Moonlight, Bro. which I think mm-hmm. was like that 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 was that was another one that kind of like yeah. changed my life on the low. Like, mm-hmm. so when I saw that movie, I I saw it in theaters, and for one, I didn't Same. know what it was about at all. I just heard it was a really good movie. I didn't know that it was about like homosexuality or anything at all. I literally just bought the ticket, went to go see it because I saw like black actors in it, and I wanted to right. go support it. And then I, I I was like one of probably six people in the theater watching it, and then it kind of just peaked. I was like, okay, this is actually about you know what it's about, and it didn't really make me feel a certain way about the movie i just enjoyed it for what it was i thought it was great the storytelling was really good the shots were good like curb said the lighting was good and i think a24 does a great job all around with just storytelling and character development yeah they honed in and killed it with that one thousand percent no for sure so when you said the witch i had to google it to make sure i haven't seen this movie (laughs) so there's another movie called the witch but it's a Korean movie, and I've seen that one. So at first I thought mm. you were talking. I was like, wait, I don't remember. But there's another one. But anyway, well, I, well, I don't know if I've seen that one, but I definitely want to check it because, like, that one is basically. Um, I gotta watch that one now too. It's it's basically Akita. It's that. It's, For real. It's basically that. Oh, I gotta like, watch it. Now. It's on all Netflix right, too. Right, it's right, like, I'm watching it's tonight. Like, what happens when you untap more of your brain? And you know, it's one of those kind of movies. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. I'm gonna watch nah. it. Nah, that's fire. I'm with it too. Um, so before we move on, or actually, no, I guess we are moving on because yeah, that's how that works. So, um, so let's go back even further, which I which like for the both of you, I assume is even further. Um, when did you both first fall in love with music? Ooh. Oof. You go first, you say. All in love with music. Like making it or just like listening to it? Just listening to it. It, it could be either one, okay. but like, yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, the household that I grew up in um, was pretty, I guess you could say it's like pretty standard black household. Like my mom listened to like gospel 
and like oldie soul and like stuff like that. And I mean, she would listen to like some modern R&B and everything. Um, my dad, on the other hand, um, listens to pretty much any, like if he likes it, he'll listen to it. He's one of those kind of people. Um, so when it comes to like hip hop and rap, like growing up, like there would be phases where I would listen to like just B.I.G. and Bad Boy. There would be days where I'd hear like No Limit and like Master P. There would be days where I'll hear like Pastor <laughs> Troy, Lil Jon, ah, um, all of that. There would be days where I hear DMX. There would be days where I hear Cash Money. Like there would there be days where I would hear Jay-Z or, you know, so there was really no, there was no type of like correlation to anything. So like riding in the car, I would hear like a bunch of different music, like when I would ride around with my dad. Um, and I think that's what initially got me into like hip hop and like rap and stuff like that. Um, I think when I really, really started to fall in love with like music was probably in like middle school. Um, after like the clips, uh, Lord willing, I think that was the album that really kind of made me want to like, be like, Hey, you know what, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be a rapper. Um, I had a friend who, so I was living, put some context to all of this. I was living in Germany at the time. So I was living in Germany and for those listening who have military, you know, parents and stuff and live in a different place, you can probably agree to this. Um, so when you live in like Europe and you live in places outside the US, you get a lot of information a lot slower, or at least back then, because the internet wasn't really a thing like that. Like it was a thing, but it wasn't like, you know, like you could download music and everything like that, but you still got to know about what's coming out. Uh, we didn't have Rap City. We had British MTV and we also had German MTV on the military base. Um, so that was kind of like how we would get new music. So my friend, Mike, RIP to him, um, he ended up moving to, um, well, going back to Virginia because that's where he was from. He went back to Virginia for uh, the summer and then came back and was like, yo, bro, the clips, Yo, they got this song, man. It's called Grinding, man. This is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. So then he had, you know, back then Napster downloaded it. Yo, listen to this. So I listened to it and I was just like, what? I was like, yo, this is like the best thing that I've ever heard in my life. And then he's like, bro, they got an album coming out. And I was like, no. I was like, I need that. <laughs> so album comes out, get the album. We're listening to it. Of course, all the Coke rap references and everything. It's just, it's going over our heads, but it's the fact that it's so, like, it was so good and like the delivery and everything. Crazy. We didn't, we didn't care. So we're listening to it, listening to it. And um, my mans was like, because at the time he had braids and then I had like the low, you know, the fade or whatever. He's like, yo, I'm going to be pushing T. And I was like, yo, I'm going to be malice, bro. Yo, we going to be the clips, bro. And like, that's kind of like what segued me into like wanting to write music and wanting to be a part of like that, you know, all of that, the culture and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what it was. Just my dad listening to whatever and then, of course, with my mom listening to older stuff, that kind of helped 
you know, as a producer and stuff like that, getting older, looking for things to sample, kind of understanding the groups and understanding the, the time periods they come from and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's what it was for me. That's cool. And yeah, before, um, 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 before I ask Dex the same question, like just talking about the clips, like it's so they were everything like grinding was everything like just like hearing it, hearing it banged out on lunch tables. Mm-hmm. was like was like the joint like everyone says that all the time but like things become cliche for a reason like that was the song to do that with but like it's weird because the first time i really got into the clips was when i heard mr me too like <laughs> like but still, that's, that's a good song though it's a great song good... <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah like i saw the video like like it was like, like it wasn't even just the song it was the video that got me and I was just like oh like these are the illest motherfuckers on the planet like I love this like no that video I, was insane you had Pharrell with the um with the Bapesters also with the yeah. with the Bapester jeans yeah well it might have been BBC I'm not sure but you also had Pharrell with the Louis Vuitton uh rag around his neck uh, yeah. with the Louis V millionaires. I'm telling you, like, yeah, he was just flexing in like Virginia Beach, yo, which is crazy. Like, Virginia that, Beach is like that, and he's out there just like with millions of dollars worth of ice on and shit, and like crazy that clothes. Era, yeah, that era of uh, that era of music is also kind of like, like when I tell people, they'd be like, "Oh, like, what would you like?" I'm like, "Yo, I want to make music that reflects that time period. Like, yeah. I want." I want to bring back those times of like just the flex, but like not even just like the flex, but like being able to like rap about things that you actually have and that you can actually show that you have, but mm-hmm. also trend set at the same time. Right. Yeah. 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 Somebody also was really somebody else was really good at that was Lupe. Lupe was yes. really good at that. Phenomenal at it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just go watch is just like that's a that's a that's a master class. And like 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 that all that stuff was like tailored to him. Like no one was really yes. rocking. Like people nobody had people, the go yard like that. Yeah, nobody mm-hmm. nobody had go yard. Nobody had the Maharishi sandals or like just Mm-mm. all the I'm I'm not gonna do the verse, but like <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> And that's yeah, funny I'm because good. Dex, I, Dex, I saw you tweeting about you just picked up some Jabos earlier today. Did you actually pick up Jabos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, me and him, yeah, me and bro. him were actually talking about it earlier today. I had texted yeah. him. I texted him yesterday and was like, "Hey, bro, I'm thinking about getting some Jabos." And then, Sorry. and one of our favorite yeah. YouTubers, I wake up this morning and I look at the video, and he did a whole video, like basically almost a whole video on Jabos. No and I way. was like, "Bro," I said, "I said I have to get in here before the price goes up because the yeah. same YouTuber did like stuff about Evizu and everything like that." And what oh, happened? Damn. Price for Evizu, everything went Price up. of the brick went up. Went up. So I was like, no, we got to get in here now. We got to yeah. get in here now. <laughs> Yo, could you could you find me that? Because like because like I'm look I'm looking for more I'm looking right for more like fashion. Yo, oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Drop, drop that. Shout drop that in the TV. Hey, drop yeah, that in the I chat because I'm look I'm looking for more fashion YouTubers for sure. This dude for sure. Dope. Hell yeah. Boom. There you go. Um, Thank you, bro. So, um, so yeah, Dex, tell me, tell me about you. When did you first fall in love with music? Like oh, either, either man. as a listener or like as a whoever, like just. So it kind of goes like hand in hand for real for me. Cause like when I was younger, uh, I took like piano lessons cause my mom was like big on piano. She was really big on the music. Like she used to sing. She was a phenomenal singer and she played mm. piano too. Uh, and then my dad, right. Like they're both from Philly. 
so they moved out to Maryland. Um, and like they went through their their issues, they split. And uh, like when I was with my mom, she would always listen to like cool, calm, relaxing music, whether it was like Neo Soul, Lauren Hill, or she would like sit me down, teach me how to play some songs on the piano, and then we'd start singing. But when I'm with my dad, like he would be driving around kind of like just angry at the world, pissed off. So we'd be listening to like DMX, Ja Rule, Easy. And it was just like, damn, I'm getting like both sides of the spectrum. And then my next door neighbor, who was like my brother, uh, Chris R.I.P. Um, he was like part African and white. And like both of his parents kind of like dropped him into like music that they both like. So he was getting a little bit of like rock and he's getting like the traditional like African music and everything like that. So I got a flavor of that too. Um, but just listening to that kind of just like transitioned me into how I listen to music now because I listen to everything outside of like country I don't really like country that much but I'll, no, I'll listen to everything no. and I'll appreciate it bro but so I, I think like the moment when I actually realized that I like love music and I want to make music was uh when I was staying at my dad's for a weekend and he had this old cassette player like radio boombox and he had a bunch of old cassettes and I was like can I use some of these and what I used to do is like whenever I heard a song on the radio that I liked a lot, I would put the tape deck in there and make like mixtapes by just recording all the songs I like because I didn't have like a CD player or anything like that. So I had tapes and I would have like a bunch of old Jay-Z songs on there that I would play on the radio. And I had some like little Bow Wow and stuff on there. And it was like mm. the one song that he had with like a sample. I think it was like a Jackson 5 sample or something. I was like, this is fire. And then um, my aunt, RIP, my aunt Kanisa, she gave me i think it was she gave me jay-z uh volume one and three or one and two mm. it was an unedited version because my mom wasn't trying to have me listen to that but she just slid it to me like here listen to this and she gave me a cd player and shit too and after that like i was hooked and like jay-z was my favorite rapper after that like everything you put out was fire i haven't heard reasonable doubt i didn't listen to that i went back listened to that and I listened to like all Dipset shit, listen to all Killer Cam shit, all Joel shit. There was a whole era when like I walked down the hall in like middle school, like how Joel Santana walked down in um, <laughs> Santana Town. I don't know if you've seen that video. Yeah, of course. When he walks out, like, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. that yeah. shit, I was like, dog, I'm, I'm a mad <laughs> nigga, yo. And it was just like from there, it was like, that was it. That was it. And then I was just hooked on hip hop. So it was like from the ages of, 12 to like 17 that's all i listened to and then i slowly dove into like nerd and pharrell and everybody like that and then i got into some punk rock too as i got older but i would say yeah it's all thanks to my family for real and then uh my boy aaron uh nor ruffin he kind of got me into making music because like i didn't really know exactly what i was doing i like used to write poetry because I, I fucked with poetry heavy but then um he would always, whenever I go to his house, like his grandparents' house, because like I didn't really want to be in my house sometimes because it was crazy and hectic, but I'll go to his house and we would watch like YouTube rap battles and shit. And then his dad got him like a Radio Shack mic and he was like, you should just try and make music. Yeah, yeah. So we just started getting into it and uh, we made a couple of songs. And then I think we were like 14, 15. And his dad bought us for his birthday, like an hour session at the local. Uh, studio it was expensive as fuck back then oh, studio damn. time was expensive as hell but yeah i mean after that it was just like yeah i'm i can see myself doing this for like like this is what i want to do i don't care if i make a, a shit ton of money off of it it's just something that like is an escape for me 
where I could just like take my mind away from any bullshit that I have going on in my life and just focus on something else. And it was therapeutic. Like if you go through listening to my music, like, you'll kind of get that shit. But yeah, to me, it's like, it's a getaway from just bullshit that I go through. And that's kind of how I fell in love with it. And, and, and that passion to really do it too. Like it's yeah. like, like you just know when you stumble across something that it's like, yeah, I would be doing this even if I wasn't getting paid. Like as long as I got power and a computer and whatever, like I'm doing this. I don't give a, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, feel it and I respect it. That's crazy. Cause that's around the time I started making music when I was around like 15. That's when I recorded my first song is when mm. I was like 15 and the same thing, I had like a little $20 mic from Best Buy and stuff and yep. whatever, but it was so powerful. Like, to like, you know, I was, I would wake up in the morning and I would record before school. And then like, I would um, take it and I would mix it down and then I would put it on a CD and I listened to that CD on the whole bus ride to school. <laughs> I'd play it for people and be like, yo, check this out. Listen to this, listen to this. Yeah. just to get like critique and get everything and like mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff and um like that that whole like having that thing that was like yo this is my thing like this is my thing that I can do whether I do it well or not it was like yo this is my thing right. um and I can share it with people and that was like the biggest thing for me is just like sharing it with people and being able to have people listen to it and stuff um so yeah I feel that 100 mm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, um, as you guys are, so like, as y'all are starting to like build your musical tastes and just kind of like taking in media, like not even just music, but just like media in general from all these different areas, especially as like the internet starts to, starts to speed up our processing or or, or not speed up our processing power, but just like, you know, our our, our consumption rate for sure. yeah. Yeah. So like, so like, could y'all rem- like do y'all remember the first time you consciously like linked <clears throat> film and music together in your head like kind of like what Curb was talking about with like the noticing of like dirt- certain like technical aspects of a movie or like is there Bro. a time when yeah hundred uh, percent it was probably Godzilla two thousand because like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure didn't uh, P Diddy Puff Daddy do the soundtrack for that am I thinking about a different uh, Godzilla. Uh, there was only I, one that could have been, bro. I'm, I'm that pretty, came out during that time, but I'm not on. too sure. Hold yeah, on, pull up the I, I gotta pull up the Google, bro, because I remember <laughs> that. Uh, was it the Hate Me Now song? <laughs> because the got the Godzilla 2000 I remember is the Japanese one, and then there's the other one that was like the one with Matthew Broderick and like Hank Azaria. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay. The very okay. bad one. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever Godzilla came out in like 2000 or 1998. That that's was it. the one. Yeah, that's the yeah, one, bro. The- yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, had hella. So- I was like, yeah, this shit is fire. I had the cassette and everything, bro. That shit was cracked. It was yeah. good. The soundtrack for that, I was like, this is great. It was- nah, soundtrack for that's crazy for sure. Yeah, and then uh, way, way better than the movie. Dude. Let me put that out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Wild Wild West. Uh, mm. Tell him. Tell him. Body that shit. It was crazy. I think Eminem had a track on that too. That's when he was spitting. And then who else was on? I got to look up that soundtrack now. Yo. Yeah, Cisco I, on that joint. Cisco, yeah. Ooh, I that told shit. so many people about that movie and about that soundtrack. I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. Like that's like a that's like a Bro. guilty pleasure, personal favorite. Nah, it's a, had, it was ahead of its time. I'm gonna run it through the theme They they had it was they, had, they had For Will sure. Smith, Drew Hill, Black Street, Black Street, <sighs> Black Street, Eminem, Dr. Dre, 
neutral guy Bow Wow Enrique English English I always fuck his name up Iglesias. MC Light Iglesias <laughs> MC Light Faith Evans Slick Rick and Common Yikes. Come, come on bro Yikes. Yikes Come on bro That Yikes. shit was crazy Yeah that was the one Nah, for sure. Like, yeah, nah, that was like, I don't know if y'all ever heard Will Smith's Willennium album, but they yes. put the wow. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that song is on there. And like, that was, <laughs> that was the only one I ever wanted to listen to. It was like that. And, um, yo, some of those songs are so corny now that I think about it, but like wow, wow West was, that was it. That was all I wanted to hear for like a year straight. <laughs> I love so that song. Big Willie style was actually the first album I ever bought in my life, like by myself, like first CD. I walked into it was like a Sam Goody, I think. I think it was Sam Goody. Yikes. Mm. And I had like shout out to people like, who are too young to know what that is. Bro, I yeah. walked into I walked into the mall <laughs> and I went into Sam Goody and I was like trying to get a it was either I wasn't trying to get the, the Will Smith drum. I was trying to get a different album, but it had like the parental advisory sticker on it. And I was a long, young little kid. They were like, nah, we can't show you that. So I just caught the Will Smith drum. Because it was clean. Yeah, yeah, it was clean. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that drum still went, though. It was good at the time. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to it in a while, but yeah. And the cover was kind of fresh, too, because that's the one where he's like on the roof and shit. Yeah. Yup. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Curb. Yeah. Curb, what about you? You have any? You have any moments like that you could think of? Where the music and I, I would say, I mean, most of the black mu- movies that came out in the 90s had really great soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wood. Um, uh, what was it? Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Uh, like, there's just so many. Like, there's a lot. Like, I can go through the whole list. Like, um, I think for me, like those soundtracks stuck out to me back then, because like I said, my dad would listen to a lot of stuff. My mom listened to a lot of stuff. And we saw most of the black movies that came out during that time, like in the nineties. So um, I really didn't understand what a soundtrack was at that time, because it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like an anime soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, I think, for me, like listening to anime was an easy way for me to conceptualize what a soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it was just like, we're going to take like the hottest R&B singers and rappers during this time. And we're going to like just take singles from them and throw them on a project and call it a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> there was like, no, they're really, I mean, the songs just all kind of had to do with like one kind of thing almost sometimes. Um so I never really understood the concept of that until I really started watching like anime and stuff like that. And then I kind of went back and looked at like other like films and then started listening to like soundtrack and scoring and stuff like that. Um, so I would say it was probably anime first that got me to kind of notice it outside of just the, you know, whatever. And then I went back and listened to film uh, soundtracks to appreciate them more. Was there any one specific anime soundtrack that kind of like did it for you or was it just like a combination of a whole bunch? Um, Man, it was a combination of a whole bunch because I had went through like my semi-weed phase um, like in like college. I went like I would go like I was going super hard. So I was like downloading a bunch of OSTs and everything and like 
the thing that I used to do back then is I used to make beat tapes with the OSTs. Like I would sample the OSTs mm. to make beat so. tapes. Yeah. So I did one for Soul Leader. I did one for Welcome to the NHK. And then I kind of stopped sampling the anime stuff and just was like, yo, I'm going to use vinyl and then I'm going to find vinyl and find songs that match the show. And I'm going to make it as if I was scoring the show but using like samples and stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's gas. That's fire. Yeah. So I think that's when I really got into it, like during that era of making those beat tapes and stuff where I was actively sitting and listening to OSTs and like actually like listening to J-Rock and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I want to say the one that sticks out the most to me um, that I used to listen to all the time um, was... Um, dang. Oh, the Genshiken. I don't know if y'all have ever watched that, but Genshiken had a really good one no. that I would listen to. Um, to check it's, it out. yeah, it's a slice of life about college students because I was in college that are into anime, and they one of the main characters joins the anime club because he's like, Yo, I don't want people to think I'm some kind of weirdo by joining the club. And he's like, Yo, all these guys in here are kind of weird, bro. But then he realizes he's like, Yo, I'm just as big as a weeb, a weeb as they are, and these are my people, and whatever. But anyway, um, I listen to that soundtrack a lot just because of what the show meant to me and stuff. Wow, nah, I haven't seen that either, so yeah, I definitely got to tap in at some point too. I've, I've been I've been I've been having some moments where I've just needed to like I just I just I just feel a little more connected to anime now than I did a little while like I've always been connected to it but like mm. I just feel more I have more of an appetite for it right now than I have in a minute so I'm just like mm. looking for new stuff always so yeah, I'm gonna right tap in at you. some point so I used to only watch like all like the action fighting anime so now i'm like talking to curve about just getting a like the slice of life anime i'd be, like be getting him he puts me in yo <laughs> i don't i don't watch <laughs> any of that like I'm like, <laughs> it was never my uh, cup of tea but now i'm like slowly diving into it and i'm like shit this is crazy like the story what was the one uh the one that's on uh about the deaf chick oh a silent, vo- boy. silent oh. voice boy i watched that uh, like three times bro i watched it oh, like three times man. yeah yo that, the only yeah, other like, one that I saw comparable close to that was like the Grave of Fireflies. Ooh, that shit, I would, yo, that's the only movie I've ever cried watching. Like the only movie ever. Uh, I cried, I cried at least five times during the Silent Voice by myself, <laughs> and then I watched it with my wife, and I was like, "Look, dog," I said, "I'm there's going to be at least five parts in the movie, and I know they're coming up." But I'm gonna cry. So if you look over and whatever, like just know your boy, like I'm on the field train. And yeah. Damn. See, nah, you put me, you got some good recommendations, bro. See, the thing that did that for me recently was your name. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure y'all I watched that pro- one. That's a good one too. I watched that, that one. That, I actually watched that one on the flight to Japan. And I was man. sitting there and I was watching it and I was like, yo, this is this is kind of sad. <laughs> it, it's it, it that was just oh like yeah, like I'm like I I'm sorry, I gotta spoil it. Like the whole the whole bit where I uh, never mind, I'm not gonna spoil it. Just the whole story of the <laughs> game is just like it's it's it, it's really the type of movie that everyone should experience like as cold as possible. Like just know that mm. like like anybody listening, just know that it's a movie it's it's like a it's like a time displaced love movie that's all you gotta know yes. like please go watch your name it's really like 
Like, like I think it almost got nominated for an Oscar, if I remember correctly. So, like, go okay. go watch that shit. It's crazy. At one point, it was the top grossing film in Japan of all time. Yes, it was. At one point, yeah. it was. Yes. Like, so Didn't that's like... Slayer dog that, too? Demon Slayer. Yeah. Recent. I thought so, yeah. Still, yeah. Haven't, still haven't seen the Demon Slayer movie yet, either. But I got I, I got I got to finish the show before I see the movie. But... <laughs> Yeah, but watch watch a silent voice if you haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah that's that. on that's Netflix. On Netflix too. Yeah, yeah if you really haven't good. seen it, but watch the I watched the the I watched uh, both. Dub I watched the dub and subbed, yeah. but the dubbed the dubbed is good still. Like it holds up. Um, regardless of which one you watch, like watch it. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Just like real, real quick before we move on to like you guys' individual music for a second, um, I'm I'm kind of tired of the dub v sub conversation. Like <laughs> it's it, it like it's just one of those things that people like to hold over other people's heads. Mm. And I like it really depends for me, right? Because like there are some there are some shows that I'm gonna watch that have an incredible dub and an incredible sub, and there are mm-hmm. some where and or let me rephrase that. There are some that have an incredible dub and some that have an incredible sub. And like, it really just depends for me. Like Samurai Champloo, I love the sub. Like I'll watch, I'll watch Samurai Champloo in Japanese sub every time. But Bebop, I'm gonna watch that dubbed every time. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I'm gonna watch that dubbed every time. Like it really just depends on, I guess, how you first introduced and just like what your general thing is. But like, mm, it's, it's, right. They, like they both have merit and they're both cool and they can both suck sometimes. It really depends. Like that's, that, that's just me though. That's just, I me. think, I think one of the things that people don't um, like, okay. So when you talk about sub versus dub, it is all about preference. I also think it's all about convenience as well. Um, yeah. If you're the type of person like me, like a lot of times I'm watching TV while I cook or watching TV while I'm doing whatever. And it's like, I, you know, got a 50 inch TV, but at the same time, I don't want to have to look at the screen the whole entire time while I'm trying to cook or while I'm trying to move around. So I don't mind listening to the oh. dub. Yes, some of the dubs might not be that great, but you got to understand that like a lot of the times these people who are like American voice actors, their training and whatever isn't as extensive as like the Japanese voice actors. Like they go to a school for voice acting and that's only, that's what they do. So a lot of them are very multifaceted to where like, I don't know if you've ever watched um, K-On before. It's No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a music anime about these um, high school girls who just hang out in the music room and they're in a band, like a punk band and they just make music and drink tea and that's it that's what the whole entire series is about it's no and but the thing is is like the voice actors are able to be the singers as well oh that's tough you know what i mean because and and there are a couple of other shows like that like um you seen beck i have yes i have is it the same case there too yeah, so it's like yeah. they're trained, like because they're voice actors, and I don't know if um, which McCullough just did something about this. Um, what's his name? Jamie Foxx. People were like, he did a video about his impersonation. They were like, why? Are, like, how are you so good at doing these impersonations? He said, well, if you understand a person's vocal tone and the way they speak and everything like that, and him being an actor and everything like that, it's easy for him to be able to mimic that. 
And I feel like it's that way with the dub, like with the dub, like these people are able to sing like um, the uh, Bakemono Monogatari has uh, multiple opening sequences for the series. And in some of the, in the openings, the voice actors are singing the opening songs for the series. And they'll pick like the one voc- the one uh, voice actor who, or the character that it's that particular arc is based on and they'll sing the song. That's and it's, yeah, and it's because, and they're able to do that because of their training and stuff like that. So when people like be like, oh, well the dub is better because da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, well, in some cases, yeah, like you got to get it. Like this studio just hired a person who just went through years and years and years of voice acting school, who can also be a singer and a pop idol if they wanted to. And also it's in the native language. So you're going to think it sounds better anyway, because you don't really speak it like that. So you don't really know if like, if the speaking is actually natural or anything like that. So there's a lot of elements to it. I'm the type of person, if you like it, you like it. If like, just watch what you, watch, watch whatever you like. Because at the exactly. end of the day, you're watching the same exact thing. You can still talk about it. Like there's right. not going to be a situation where it's like, well, I watched the sub, so I can't talk about the show with you. And it's like, no, it's still the same show, stupid. Like, <laughs> so those, I, got, I got two two gripes, two gripes with that argument, right? So like you were saying, it's a point of convenience. But then also sometimes it's a completely different show too, like with Naruto, right? Just the way that they target the audience, like the Naruto version that I saw at first was like the, the English one. And it was kind of just like really kid friendly. It didn't really seem like that deep of a show. It yeah, kind of yeah. seemed like a cartoon that was Americanized. And then when I went back and watched it when I was like 22, because my cousin told me just to check it out with the subtitles, it was a completely different, like deeper journey through this kid's life who went through a bunch of shit and had to overcome it to be like the Hokage. And sometimes that's different. That's sometimes that's the studio's decision, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. How they want to market it. Yeah, and also Mm -hmm. like for like uh, Baki Monogatari, I'm going to bring it up because it's my favorite anime (laughs) series of all time. Um, But for (laughs) Baki Monogatari, there isn't an English dub for that show. Tough. And the reason why there isn't an English dub for that show is because the author of the light novels and everything was like, I don't want this to be... I don't want any of the meaning of what I wrote to be lost in translation. No, I feel that. I feel that. He was like, there's a lot of jokes that are only for Japanese people to get. Like, only if you're Japanese do you understand, like, the play on words with people's names and the kanji and everything. Like, so he's like, I don't want you to take that out of my show and then make it some Americanized version or whatever. So that's how I want to keep this the way it is. So there's not an English dub that's ever going to be exist ever or anything like that. There are people that have taken it and like done like fan ones and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. as far as an official one, there's never going to be an official one. That's hard. That's hard. I like that. So actually I'm saying like Naruto, right? They they did the American version. It sounded like a completely different show. It sounded kiddie and I just wasn't for it. And then another great that I have is like, Sometimes when they have dubs, it just looks off. You feel me? Because like they animate it and they do it for Japanese people to say. So when they're saying it in English, it's just like it doesn't look good. It just looks (laughs) off. Yeah. That's not not like like yeah like this is kind of what I mean when I say it's like really it's 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 really like contextual and Mm -hmm. all of that like it it really just depends on the show because some like. Like, I don't know why I remember this, but I don't like if y'all ever watched Samurai Pizza Pizza Cats before ever. No. 
So long story short, it's basically Power Rangers, but they're samurai cats. <laughs> and like and like the show with you, I'm with you. <laughs> so like uh, I want to say it came out in like the mid I want to say like from like the mid sometime either in the mid 80s or the early to mid 90s I forget so like the show had a um I'm like Dex was saying it had like a completely different tone in Japanese like it was kind of like it wasn't like solemn or like too serious but it was kind of like middle of the road kind of it was it was almost kind of like a slice of life show except there's samurai pizza cats in it mm. but like but like they never made an official dub for the show and uh deke got a hold of it and the writers at deke had to figure out like they never got any translation for it so they just had to write the english script for the show just having watched the show not understanding japanese so they literally had to figure out what the fuck the show was about as it went along and it completely <laughs> changed the tone of the show they turned they they turned it into like a wacky like fucking slapstick comedy show which is which is cool but like I think that speaks to exactly what Dex is talking about with the Naruto thing. It's it's, it's just really because like that was but like here they just like they said, fuck it. We're just going to write our own mm. show and just like, you know, fill in the blanks and guess. And, you know, like there's 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 uh, there's pros and cons to that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> kind of like ghost stories, how they just took the ghost stories. Uh, and uh, you know about ghost stories? Yeah, I know about ghost stories. Yeah. They're like 13 they, minute shorts, right? Yeah. No, it's like full episodes. They just took it and they were yeah, like, yo, sure. we don't have no script. So we're just going to turn this into like one of the most vulgar, um, like trolley, like anime <laughs> dubs of all time. And they just had complete freedom to just do whatever they wanted to do with it because they didn't have, you know, anything to go by. Yeah, yeah. that's what that reminded me of. Man, it's, it's just so interesting to see those like cultural differences get explored in something like in something that especially now like considering how like universal anime has become especially in the last like 20 years like just right. to see just to see how other culture like, like i wonder if that's a thing in other countries like not even just like the states or japan like i wonder if it's that way in like europe and i oh, wonder it if it's that way like in like yeah, africa so you go, and shit, you go like, like crunchyroll they have like different dubs now they have like russian dubs spanish dubs and they're all under like the same anime and they pop up. It's crazy. Cause before, like three years ago, they didn't have Russian or Spanish dubs for half these anime that were coming out. Right. So yeah, I think it's nah. the same thing. Yeah, like you like that idea is just really interesting to me. Like how anime translates between countries, like not even just our two countries, but like mm-hmm. everywhere else too. Like those cultural differences are always really cool to me. Like that's that's <laughs> it's also just really funny. Um mm-hmm. so so let's run this back to music real quick because you know like of course like you guys are kind of like like at this point you're you're both building your palettes when it comes to both music and film and you know like curb as you really start to like gear up and um come into your own because like for me personally i first came on to your music when wolf's clothing came out and that's when i was Mm. like really paying attention and um Mm. of course you've like like you've taken like you took this sheep character and like made well i well i don't want to say the sheep character is like tied to milk tea chronicles but like if i'm looking at the cover art and like listening to some of the songs it kind of feels like it's it, it, like it just kind of feels like some of the themes kind of seep throughout so like i like i was just curious about like where the idea of the sheep character came from and i guess how if at all it kind of ties into what you were doing with milk tea chronicles okay so 
um the sheep character so um let's see okay so when i was working on wool's clothing um i was watching i don't know how i got into this side of youtube but sometimes you know how you just get sucked up into youtube and you're just whatever so i started yeah. watching episodes of uh sheep in the big city and i'm watching sheep Classic. in the big city and I'm like, this show, like, you know, as a kid, I watched it. And as an adult, I'm watching, I'm like, yo, this show is crazy. And I was like, yo, it'd be cool. Like, you know, I joke to myself a lot. And I'm like, yo, it'd be cool if I did like a concept project about a sheep in a city, but not make it like this, but make it like, what if the other people were like animals and stuff and like, you know, all this and that. So that was kind of, it started off as a joke. Um, and then I sat down. And then I started working on it. And then I had the idea of like, okay, so instead of doing a wolf in sheep's clothing, what I guess to me, what would um, resonate more would be a sheep in wolves clothing. Like what happens when the sheep who's in the city or the sheep who's out there has to gear up and protect themselves from the environment? Um, what happens when you need to actually blend in um with your surroundings um and I feel like for me myself that's something that I had to live through you know what I'm saying growing up it's like you, sometimes you get put in real real tough situations and it's like you either adapt and you go with how everything is going or you don't and you get jammed up so it's like all right cool I need to learn how to adapt I need to learn how okay if it comes down to it gotta throw them hands okay if it comes down to it we gotta do you know it has to be, that's just what it is um so I was like, well, what happens when that happens? Like what happens when the person that society looks at is like weak or it looks at as like, you know, always being humble or being whatever, like what happens when they have to change? And then why do they have to change? Like, is it internal? Is it external? Like, what are the things that are making this sheep want to become a wolf and want to become more predatory, wanting to be? Um, so that's where that idea came from. Um, came from a lot of loss, a lot of anger, a lot of, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and when you talk about Milky Chronicles, um, well, I guess to backtrack, for those who don't know, if you go and you look at the Wolves Clothing cover, um, shout out to my wife, she shot that cover. Um, I'm sitting, job. shout out. yeah, I'm sitting there and I have the, I had a sheet mask on. I was on my Doom back then. I was trying to, you know, kind of like Doom. So I, I have the sheet mask on and like, I actually like had makeup around my eyes to match the color of the mask. So we could all blend in and everything. And I had like some, um, I had bought some like wool, like stuffing and I stuffed it in the front of my uh, hoodie to make it look like the, the wool was coming out. So you couldn't actually see my neck Damn. and everything. Oh yeah. We go all out at Broke Boys Productions. <laughs> that's what, that's the name of our, that's the so, name of our, our production studio, Broke Boys Productions. Um, so Went all out for that. So did that. And then later on, um, the sheep kind of became like a symbol. It became like a thing. Mm. And when I did Milk Tea Chronicles, at that time, I was watching a lot of Adventure Time. Like I actually marathon Adventure Time. Like I watched the whole entire thing. And then, except for uh, the the last, the, fin the finale and everything, because that wasn't out. It wasn't out yet. Yeah, yeah that last season wasn't out right. yet. I watched all the way up until the whole thing about um, when they were getting ready to start the war. Um, and 
I, I was sitting down and I was like, yo, again, it was a joke. And I was like, haha, like Finn and Jake, like it could be me, except instead of a dog, I could have a sheep and it could be a sheep named Sheepington. And it's da, 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 da. you know, like yeah, that was yeah, the thought yeah. process. So a lot of my things start as jokes. So yeah. I threw that out there and my wife was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's see what, what we can do with this. So then I reached out to Crystal Face and Crystal Face drew it up. And once Crystal Face drew up the character and I could see it and I was like, yes, that is, that's it. Like that is the, the mascot of the series is going to be this sheep. Like that's the mascot. Um, and Simo, the cell phone. Um, and then when I did Mad Sheepery, I rapped from the perspective of a sheep again, but this time it was it was Sheepington, the sheep um, that exists in the the wolves' clothing. Um, not wolves' clothing. I'm sorry. In the um, well, there's fanfic out there about it that it could be Damn. it could be the like there's there are people that have hit me up and been like, "Yo, is there any connection between the two because of this?" And da, 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 da. And that's a flex, you know, bro. There's a lot of that's a flex. So, so there are people. <laughs> So yeah. there are people that have created this theory that they are the same person. Um, if that's your theory, I don't, I think it sounds really cool. It wasn't intentional, but go with it. I, it's, it makes me sound a lot cooler than I am. So yes, go with it. But I'm rapping from the, you know, the, the viewpoint of this sheep um, that is kind of like the more outspoken slash, um, uh, I guess you could say they're like the kind of like the the ego of the main character. Like this sheep mm-hmm. represents the ego. Like he's coming in, he's giving you the flex raps, he's giving you like all this and that. Like he's talking down on other rappers and like all this and that. And then you have like the main character who's more so about like talking about life and talking about like finding your light and like all this like peaceful, positive, upbeat things. Um, so that's where those two characters came from. Um, the lines kind of do cross a little bit. Yeah. And, and and yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Adventure Time comparison because yeah, when I saw um when I saw the cover for um let me let me let me just make sure I got the right one here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Mad Sheepery. I saw that and I was like, I legit thought it was something from Adventure Time, like just seeing the um seeing the seeing the skeleton hands come in. It looked like some Lich King shit. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. like okay. Like shout <laughs> out the Crystal really? Face. Crystal yeah, Face did the artwork. Yeah, he, you know, I come to, I came to him and was like, yo, I've been watching a lot of Adventure Time, so we need to do something Adventure Time. And he was like, I got you. So the first one he kind of made to look like um, you know how like at the beginning of the episode, how they have the title card and it's kind of like paint like like it's like paint so he did the mm-hmm. first one like that and then That's fire. the rest of them yeah and then the rest of them he was like all right cool i'm gonna put little easter eggs like the show i'm gonna put easter eggs from each one so if you look at the second cover for voicemail blues there's a poster in the background of the first cover and then in the one the mad sheepery one when you talk about the lich hands and the green whatever <coughs> if you go back and look at the first one the lich is over the city and everything in the green cloud and all of mm-hmm. that. So yeah, they all kind of go together. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, that's beautiful. Like, yeah, just like the con, like, like the concept is, the concept is just dope. And um, regardless of how like tight or loose it might be, it's just kind of, it just kind of gives a nice direction to everything. And just like it, it and mm. like it just suits the music, you know, like it, it really, it really just suits the music. So yeah, I try to make 
uh, to relate it back to film, I try to make things that are like, and when you listen to it, you feel like you can watch it. Um, and that was the main thing. Like I did that with uh, Digital Boogeyman. That was the first time that I actually tried making a project that would be like, okay, you could watch this. This could play out like a movie and it's super conceptual. And then when I did Wolves Clothing, I was like, I'm going to take it a step further. And I wanted that to be more like a play. And that's why you have those intermissions in between songs with the narration and like you totally. have the poetry and like all of that. And the whole thing is supposed to play out like a play, um, like a drama. Um, and that's one of the things like, you know, film, like I take a lot of inspiration from that, like writing and like visual, you know, visually and all that, like, how is this going to flow? And when it flows, are people going to be able to sit and visualize the music? Right. Right. Yeah. That's no, cool, that, man. that really is. And that's so important. And, um, Dex to kind of roll over to you. That's something that, um, there we go. Sorry. Um, that's something, that's something that I've, you know, like. I've, um, I've, I've, I've only been able to spend like a few days with all the stuff that you have on Bandcamp, but like, especially talking to you about how like music was an escape and how it just kind of like helped to center you. And like, and, and like also being the product of a, of a, of a, of a divorced parent household, I a hundred percent relate. Like, you know, like, mm. I really, like, I really got that type of vibe from something like I died here. Like just, mm. yeah. I, I and, and like, I can't really explain Classic. why Darn. but like it just yeah like it just feels there's just like there's something almost like it's like both chaotic and comforting about a project like i died here so like if you could like run us through what you were kind of thinking like what the process was behind that project at that time so yeah uh so to go into this i kind of got to backtrack into another project that i made before that got me like the connects to make this project so i made transmitted 1990 waves with cram um and that was the first project like that i've ever done with any sort of japanese artist at all and i got introduced to cram because i put out like a a mixtape on soundcloud when soundcloud was popping back in the day and it had like all these crazy producers that were blowing up on soundcloud and it started off as me just like finding their beats, reaching out to them and saying, hey, can I rap over this? And I would send them back the song that I made and they'd be like, yo, this is hard as shit. You could use it. Yeah. yeah. So I put it out and it was, um, I think it was called like 713. And after I put out that, I had a track on there called uh, If I Die Tonight. And that shit just went like viral on SoundCloud. So I had like hella producers hitting me up about it. And one of them just happened to be Cram. And he was from Japan and I was like, yo, it'd be dope as shit to work with a Japanese producer. And he wasn't like, he was up and coming. It wasn't like he was doing shows every night, like how he is now, but he sent me like 50 beats, like in a zip folder. Sheesh. And I was like, damn, all these shits are fucking fire. And so Curb knows how I get down. Like, so I just like started mm. writing, cranking out hella songs. He gets this. the song done before <laughs> he gets the beat. Like it's literally <laughs> recorded, like it's recorded. So when you send him the beat, he automatically sends you something back and it's like, oh, I already got it done. And it's like, wait, how? <laughs> Bro, so yeah, I, I did that and we made probably like 30 songs, right? So we had an EP come out. Um, I think it's on Spotify and Pancamp and everything like that. It's called The Fifth Element. That was the EP that came mm-hmm. out before the transi- Transmitted 1990 Waves came out. And so I had no idea what was going to happen when we put that out. I had no clue. Like, I just sent them the tracks. I was like, here, man, this is what I did. 
And then this guy, like he shops it around to like independent record labels out in Japan. We have like three offers coming in. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy to me. Um, so he just like picked one. We got a contract written up in deals and like splits and everything. And uh, before I knew it, like I saw this record in Tower Records over in Shibuya. It was fucking nuts. Um, and I'm like 19, 20 years old. I don't know what the hell is really going on when I'm like in the process of making this. Uh, and then it occurs to me that like, you know, I could actually do this shit. I could probably go over there and like tour and everything. And then I stack up some bread and I was about to do it. And then like, I got into some shit and I was about to be like on probation and I couldn't travel or anything, but that's like a whole nother story. Um, but my lawyer was good. He was able to get me off. So they were able to postpone all the shit. So I was able to go out on tour in Japan for like a month. And I got to meet like everybody, like Laugh Life, um, a bunch of other rappers, NF, uh, producers. And I don't know, I guess I kind of got to backtrack too. But growing up rapping, like when I first got into rap, like Bug Seed was like a household name. Like he was just a legend. Like all my friends would download his beats and rap over him. And I was just telling Cram, like, yo, you know, Bug Seed would be dope to meet him when I come out there. And he was like, Bug Seed, wait, yeah, I know him. And he's like, I talk to him all the time. So I did one of my shows and he was there. And I don't know if you know too much about Bugsy, but this dude's like, he's an underground legend. Like Wiz Khalifa stole some of his shit to rap on it. And there was like a whole lawsuit issue behind it and everything. I'm a, I'm, I'm a little familiar, but yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's crazy. So I got to, I went out to Japan. I toured Japan. I got to meet Bugsy. And I was like, bro, it'd be a fucking honor if we could like make music and everything. And he was all for it. So um, when I went back, he started sending me beats. And at the time, like where my head was at and like shit I had going on, like some of my friends passing and getting locked up and doing all this shit. I just had to like reflect on my life and where I was and the shit I was going through um, and like shit that I saw when I was over there. So I really just had the chance to like dig deep and like go through the emotions of shit that I like had to process when I was younger. And then also shit that I saw changing around me with like, me getting into the workforce having a real job and everything like that and then some of my friends doing like dumb shit and yeah yeah man it's just like i said it was like an outlet um and it was just awesome to be able to do over bugsy beats like he's one of my favorite producers of all time um so it was just tough it's real tough to make that project with him and yeah just like considering you know you know like that's also a flex you know like considering considering his pedigree and the fact that like you're seeing all this stuff like at like like having a record in a record store in another country at (laughs) 19 or 20 years old that's fucking loose that's crazy son like that's and, and and then for that to lead to something like i died here like that's that's a hell of a journey bro like yeah, wow <laughs> and yeah. yeah that's actually that's actually when me and him like linked to even like not even linked because i had known dex way before all of this i was um, gonna ask that's this, fact, yeah. Yeah. yeah we are alumni of uh <laughs> the back to pluto blog um yeah. we are hey. alumni which when you look at the back to pluto roster back then and look at it now a lot of us have really gone on to do i, I want to say that we are like the most established and consistent of probably any alumni from any blog back then and i'll put that on everything Ooh, um it's fast, it's fast, i would say we are the most yeah because we're all still doing stuff you got our mail still doing stuff. Shit. eu is still yeah, doing stuff, shit. Still doing stuff. 
Boogs yeah. is still doing stuff. Shout like out to everybody, the squad. hell yeah. Yeah, everybody's still doing stuff. Um, and I remember Dex posted a picture of himself. I think it was like in front of Tokyo Tower or some shit like that <laughs> on Yo. Twitter. And I was like, what? I was like, this nigga's in Japan. What? So I'm like, <laughs> so like, how did he do this? What, what is going on? So I like tweet him and I'm like, bro, are you in Japan? He's like, oh yeah, I'm out in Japan, bro. I'm on a tour. And I was just like, <laughs> bro, I'm the worst. I'm the worst in social media, bro. Like, I'll, I'll tell you this, like, yo. If I would have documented my moves that I was like, have been making and all this other shit, like, it'd be a different story. But I just suck at tweeting. I'm terrible at like taking pictures and posting this shit. So it was just like a low key flex, like, yeah. Yeah, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm out in Japan, bro. I'm on tour, bro. And I'm just like, he's on tour. I'm like, how? How? I'm like, how is this happening? Like, I don't understand. So, I'm like, we're, like, talking about it or whatever. And then I want to say it was, like, a couple – what year was that? I don't even remember what year was that. 2016. Okay, so 2016, that happened. So, then 2017, um, I go to Japan. So, I go to Japan or whatever, and I get back, and then um, – I started working on Milk Tea Chronicles and I started working on the second one. And I was like, yo, it'd be dope if I can get somebody who raps, who has been to Japan before, who understands exactly what it is that I'm referencing in these songs and it all can come together and make sense. And I was like, oh, I know somebody. So I reached out to Dex. It was like, yo, bro, I got this song. Like, you want to be on it? Blah, blah, Sent it to him. He sent it back. And then that's pretty much how it happened. Yeah. yeah, I've known I've known of his music since like what 2000, I don't know, 2010, Bruh. 2011, a long time. Yeah, I remember long the time. first time you reached out to me, it was like I put out, I think, like orange soda, grape soda. Yeah, that was the Stoop Kid, Stoop Kid, Kid. Yeah, yeah, and you still got like, it. <laughs> he was like, he, he sent me a tweet. He was like, man, I would love to work with Dexter Fizz. And I was like, damn, yeah, that's crazy that somebody actually like wants to work with me and shit. Cause like everybody else that I knew that I made music with was just people that were like around me. So to have people reach out to me on like Twitter and Instagram saying they wanted to work with me and like they like my music was just crazy, especially other artists. And he was like mm-hmm. one of the first ones to ever do it besides like the people that I immediately worked with. Um, I just thought that shit was dope. But yeah, I remember that's a new level you know like when people start reaching out to you from places not necessarily places you never heard of but like places you're not at like that's that's yeah. that's, that's, that's an that's that's a new level type shit that's wonderful and like tough. and now i'm happy and i'm happy you both kind of brought up japan because you both have like you both have this you both have this relationship with the country and like of course you've both been there um mm. So uh, before before we get into uh, before we get into the last train, I guess uh, I guess I was just curious about like, you know, outside of outside of you guys' fascination with anime and everything, like what is it about like the culture and like being in Japan that kind of like rooted you to the country when y'all finally got to go or, 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 or like actually let me ask that differently. Like what inspired you to like want to go? And then what about being there when you got there was like, yo, this shit is ill. Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Um, so, of course, like you said, the anime, blah, blah, blah. So I had always wanted, so, you know, growing up in the 90s, you know, I was born in 1990. So, you know, I was there. I was old enough to actually understand Toonami and get, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So. As a kid, I had did, you know, research on Japan and like, you know, learning more about it and stuff like that. But originally it was surface value. It was just the anime thing. Um, 
fast forward to graduation of high school in 2008, my mom was like, yo, for graduation, I know you want to go to Japan. You're always talking about it. Like I can fly you out and you can stay out there for two weeks, but you have to stay with one of my old work friends out there because he lives out there right now because she worked for the government. So, you know, you can live wherever there's a military base. So I was like, hmm. I was like, I could go out there, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm finally like out of school. Like I can be, you know, me who I am. And I was like, well, if I go out there, I'm not going to be where like in Tokyo, like I want to be. And I'm not going to be able to move like I want to, because I'm going to be staying with somebody else. Like I'm a guest in their house. Like I just can't come and go as I please. And like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hold off on that. And I'm just not going to, you know, whatever. So fast forward to, 2000 and summer of 2000, not summer 2012. Yeah, fast forward to summer 2012. Um, I took a Jap- two Japanese courses at a, the community college here in Austin. Uh, took Japanese one and two, accelerated. So it was a lot of information really fast, whatever. So I took those, I started learning the language. Um, in learning the language, of course, you learn about, you know, and the classes are about the culture. They're about like all that kind of stuff too. So I'm learning more so about the culture. I'm learning more so about like all these things. And then I wanted to go, but I always thought maybe it wasn't a thing that'll ever happen, you know, cause it's just like, I'm getting older. I'm about to get out of school, you know, graduating from college, 2012, you know, I got to start working. Like, you know, my mind was just on like life, like adult stuff. So fast forward to 2000, uh, about yeah, 2016, when I proposed uh, to my now wife, um we were talking and we were like yo like what are we going to do for our honeymoon because our wedding was um in august of the following year so we're talking and she was like hey let's go to japan and i was like nah fam you Mm. you ain't for real bro like i'm like nah you not for real you not for real you not for real but she was like nah she's like that's something that you've always wanted to do and you have the money to do it. Like you have a job where you have like five weeks of PTO, you just take off and go. And I was like, right. Okay. So we started looking up, doing research. And in that, like doing a lot of the research ongoing and like everything built up my knowledge even more about everything. Um, so when we first went in 2017, we got married August 12th. We left for Japan on the 14th. So we got married. We had one day to pack and then hopped on a plane and flew out to Japan. Damn. So we were Gosh. out there for, you know, like what, two, two and a half weeks. We were out there, Dope. everything and just taking in everything <laughs> and the culture. And just like, I'm the type of person, like I like to be like in the city and I liked things happening and everything. And I think that was Same. one of the reasons that really drew me towards it because it was like New York. Like if you took like Manhattan, but then you multiplied that times like a hundred and it's just like so many things happening, so many tall buildings, so many, like everything is moving. And I really enjoyed that. And my wife, she's, she's kind of one of the ones like we're kind of like polar opposites. Like Hmm. she's not really like an anime head or anything like she'll watch it if I'm watching it or like, you know, whatever, but that's not like her thing. Like she was like, yo, I never met a person that wasn't really weird. That was into anime until I met you. Like, I didn't even know like this whole side of black nerds and everything even existed. Like I never knew this was a thing. So 
for her, she was just like, well, I'm kind of going to support him, but also it does seem kind of cool. Um, go out there, it was just me and her, blew our minds. So then the following year, we were like, yo, what are we gonna do for our honeymoon? Not honeymoon, I'm sorry, for our uh, anniversary. And she's like, let's go back to Japan. And I was like, all right, say less. So we look up, go fly back out there. Uh, the first time we were staying in Shibuya. Nice. And the second time we went out, we were staying in Akihabara, um, which was even a bigger testament to me enjoying it beyond anime because we were staying in Akihabara, but like the anime stuff wasn't like, it wasn't a priority. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we could walk down to Electric City, like we were right by the station and everything. Like it wasn't, you know, so it was like, okay, so I'm here because like I want to be here outside of anime. I'm here because I enjoy the culture. I enjoy like the atmosphere. I enjoy how like for like for the um uh <coughs> like I always call it the cheat code to photography, street photography. Japan is the cheat code to street photography you can go there and take a picture on any any street right post it on instagram and you'll get mad likes easy just because it's just like that is how like photogenic the place is and it's um, clean too yeah you know what i mean and so i enjoyed that piece of it the fashion started like i started dip, you know dabbling more into fashion uh the first time i went i thought i was prepared i was like yo i'm ready i'm about to flex on them boys and i go out there and i was like nah son i was not ready so the second time I went out there, I was ready. And I was like, your boys, like I'm fly. Like, you know, I did a lot of shopping, of course, clothes and everything. Um, the food is great. I like the idea of the ease of transportation because I live in Texas. Oh, and yeah. I always yeah, try, to ex- man. I try to explain this to everyone and they never truly understand. You never truly understand until you're here. So people are like, oh, you live in Texas. You must go to Dallas and Houston all the time. Dallas is like four hours away from where I live. That's crazy. Four hours away. So, <laughs> and then Houston is like three hours away in a totally different direction. Um, it takes me from my house to get to my job, which is in North Austin. It takes me like anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes to get there. Yeah. So driving is a part of the culture here. Like there's not a thing that I can just walk to like within walking distance right. um, besides the hunting store that's across the street from my apartment complex. Like I can walk there, but everything else is just like, you have to drive. So being in a place where I can wake up, walk down the street and be like, Hey, we're going to catch your train and we're going to go to a whole nother part of this place. All right. Sounds good. Hop on a train and go. Um, just the convenience of that is what I really love. But yeah, that, that, I think that's what, to answer your question, it was first to start off with the anime, it started off with that, then it kind of evolved into like a cultural language piece. And then it evolved into, dang, I really love this place outside of anime. I really love this place outside of like all the, the I guess the cliche things that would bring me here. Like I love it outside of all of that. Like now I love it for the fashion. I love it for how polite the people are, even if they don't want to be, but how polite the people are. The fact that I can walk down the street at night as a black man and not worry about the police messing with me, not worrying about anybody being in my business at all. Like I can just walk down the street and exist because that's what I did at night. Like, cause you know, the jet lag and time difference. So when we got there, you know, the second time, um, it was me, my wife, my sister-in-law, and my best friend. Um, my sister-in-law and my best friend, they weren't used to that. So they were just like, yo, we're going to we're going to sleep. 
my wife, she can sleep at any, any given moment. So they would go back to the hotel and I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna catch y'all later. And I would just pick a direction and I would just walk and I'd walk in that direction and just keep walking, walking, taking pictures, looking at stuff. And I would do it at night when we would go back to the hotel and it just felt so free in a sense. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't have that freedom here um, to walk around like that. And there are not many spaces, I feel like, that we as Black people can just maneuver like that and not have, and not have to like worry about anything. Like Mm -hmm. here, it's like, okay, even if I'm just going to get like fast food, it's like, all right, I got to bring the piece to go get fast food. Mm. You know what I mean? Like just in case, even though it's like, (laughs) even though it's like a minute and a half drive down the street, but it's like, just in case, but there it's like, I can just walk, wake up in the morning, walk and not worry about it. So that was another thing that I, that kept me like, or having me wanting to go back is that sense of freedom. Mm. Yeah. To comment, to comment on the travel thing in Texas, my mom has been living in Austin for probably about six or seven years, maybe a little more than that at this point. So, so yeah, like I, so yeah, like I've been down there more than a few times and he's not lying y'all. Like you don't (laughs) have a car, you you don't got a car. You're not going nowhere in Texas, (laughs) like at all. (laughs) Like, like, like I walked from, um, um, my mom lives in this beautiful house in this like in this like walled off neighborhood in like the nicer part of like the Dallas Fort Worth area called Keller. And <laughs> there's a walk from like it took me about like 20 to 30 minutes to walk to Whataburger. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, like that's that, that that's how crazy it gets down in Texas. Like, I just yeah. I just I just had to say that like that's Shut with, the heat, yo. like with the heat whooping your Whataburger's ass the too. Best. Yeah, for so real. So not only that, it's the heat's whooping your ass as you walk. Damn, yeah, oh, yeah. Nah. yeah. It's hot down there. Yeah, for real. The last time I went down there, I walked to Whataburger and I was banging the uh, the O3 Greedo and DJ Mustard album. It had just come out. I was listening Shout to that to album. I was walking. Yeah, 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 for real. Shout out free Greedo for real. But free like, him. yeah, like yo, like I like that was my yeah. first time eating Whataburger. I got like the burgers with the jalapenos and mustard and shit on it. Yo. Don't, don't like don't Whataburger? Do don't do that to me. Whataburger? No, because Texans will tell you, bro, we hype it for out-of-towners. I'm going to say this, In real though. life, in real life, Whataburger does but not look, slap, bro. Unless you, get, unless you get the number 22 sausage, egg, and cheese on the jalapeno cheddar biscuit, you substitute the hash browns for fries, oh, and you get a root beer. So that is the only I'm going to do that. <laughs> but I got to do that. The I'll burgers? Burgers are not good. The burgers so, aren't look, good. Look, I'm going to tell I you like, like burgers, this, though, bro. right? I, I've been to Texas. I've been to Cali. and motherfuckers out in cali they hype up in and out so much bro but (laughs) it's not good it's not good so when i went to texas and i had whataburger it was after i went to cali i was like okay this is actually pretty it's it's good it's like i can understand why people like this but in and out over there like you're not seeing five guys out here you're not seeing fuddruckers and honestly you're not beating wendy's or sonic like i don't i don't understand Mm, wow i'm sorry see i'm from jersey and we got like My cousin from Jersey. My cousin from Jersey. He moved down here. He put me on a White Castle. See, I like White Castle. I was never big on their burgers. But, like, one thing that people don't know about Jersey, Jersey is all about diners. Like, North Jersey, it's diners Mm. everywhere. Like, we're, like, like, they call us the Garden State. We're the Diner State. Like, fuck that shit. Like, they're everywhere up here. So, like, I'm really big on, I'm, I'm really big on, like, diner burgers and, like, and like we have a local place called Smash Burger that's also pretty tight. But I don't okay. know. Like I they got that here too. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I got them here. 
right yeah okay 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 so maybe that's a so maybe that's a little more out there than i thought but um to b- before we move on yeah i love whataburger i don't know like i had it a couple of times and i'm just like especially compared to in and out which i also like i know a lot of people don't like it i like in and out i'm gonna stand on that it's not perfect i like in and out i got a gift card in my fucking wallet right now but um <laughs> <laughs> but like um yeah i like whataburger i'm cool with it i like it so i'm gonna say this you're out in jersey right yeah so i'm from i'm from the dmv uh you guys probably got five guys out there have you ever been to five guys oh yeah of course i have so you put you put that over five guys mm, uh, i like five guys they're they're od expensive for no reason so i don't go all the okay, time okay i can agree with that but like i like the the thing i like more than the thing i like more than anything at five guys is their fries like the mm, Cajun, Cajun the Cajun, yeah, the right. Cajun fries are crazy, son. <laughs> like yeah. can't even hold you. They're yeah. so good, but yeah. but honestly, like I'm trying to think of like the best burger I've ever had in my life, and I don't know what it would be right now. Like, I've had some fire burgers at like random hole in the wall gas stations where they cook the burgers in the back. Those are the ones, yo. Like they'll see, make them on a little skillet grill thing, and they put like the the sizzler thing on, it, just like shh, with the egg and bacon, yo. Yeah, those are the ones. Those are the ones. There's more love in that shit, bro. Like it's facts. It, it, that's, it's all- that's that's anywhere you go though. Like you go yeah. to that one the best burgers, the, yo. You go to the one hole in the wall, whatever. Questionable if they have a restroom or not. Yeah. And you're like, all right, uh-huh. why not? Yeah, Let's see man. what it's like. And you go in there and it's slap every time. Facts. All the all the all the local places have all the best food. Like there's a like like there's a there's um we got the TikTok diner. I'm like 10 minutes away from there. Like, I think it was, I think it was featured on an episode of um, uh, Guy Fieri's Diners, mm. Drive-Ins and Dives and shit. So like, okay. they got crazy burgers. Like, not like crazy, like ingredient wise. They're just uh-huh. like really good quality burgers. And it's like the place that like everyone in like, I live, um, I'm, I live in Essex County up here. Shout out, shout out to the 973. But like, okay, that's like the place. Like if you're in that area, like TikTok is one of the places you go for a good burger. I'm gonna check it out next time I'm up there. I'm gonna fuck with it. Hell yeah. Um, did you want me to dive into like uh, I guess why I went to Japan or why I like Japan and stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, All right, let me do that. So, um, I didn't really get into anime until I was like 19, 20 years old. Yeah, but I seen like Dragon Ball Z and shit, but. I just seen pictures. I forget how I like saw pictures of Japan and like Tokyo and it just looked crazy to me. Like I always wanted to just go there and like see the Shibuya crosswalk. So I was in high school. My sister and mom went out to, I think like Europe or something because like my mom had friends that were stationed out there. Um, so they got to like stay out there for free. The flights were, weren't that bad. Cause they got like a, I think like a military discount or whatever, mm. but they, they went out there. Right. And I, I was scared. I was terrified of flying. And I was always just like, I, I would never want to fly anywhere. Uh, but then my mom was like, no, nah, you got to fly somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your graduation, I'm going to take you somewhere. Where you want to go? And I was like, I, I guess I could go to Tokyo. I want to go to Japan. Um, and so she was going to take me to Japan when I graduated. But like she passed before I graduated high school. So it just didn't happen. So my dad, like I wasn't as close with him as I am now. But he was like, I'm still going to take you. So he picked up like and we just went to Japan um, right after I graduated high school. And we were there for like three days, just like, I think we stayed like on the outskirts of Tokyo in a hotel. Um, And it was just dope. Like my dad's crazy, man. Like we were out at like 
bars and clubs. He took me to my first strip club out in Japan. And like, it was nuts because those places stay open like hella late. They got like 24 seven strip clubs and shit. Yeah. And like all the bars stay open hella late and they like play mm-hmm. everything. Like go have one floor that plays like jazz because they like love jazz out there, yo. They love jazz, they love hip hop, they love punk rock. And it was just cool to see how they took in all of our culture and regurgitated it to their own. Um, and like Curve said, everybody was like mad polite. The food there was great. Uh, the one thing that we did that was crazy to me was like, we didn't really sleep. Cause like my dad, he's a, he's an animal. Like he'll go out drink like till six o'clock in the morning, wake up at like eight and ready to do it all over again. So we went yeah. to the fish market and they open up at four o'clock, like in the morning. Cause they're catching the fish, bringing it to the docks, ready to like cut up for sushi and all that. That's different. So we were there like four o'clock in the morning. We had just like went out and drank whatever. And uh, it just like hit me how crazy this place was. Cause it's like one of the largest fish markets I think in the world. And just to like sit down see like the chefs chop up the sushi in front of you serve it to you after they literally just brought it from like the docks that same morning is just a crazy experience uh so that was the first time i went to japan i fell in love with it i didn't really get to see too much of it i mean i was there for like three days four days and most of the time we spent traveling because it takes like 14 hours to get there and we had like a layover flight in cali and shit yeah, I'm about to say it's pretty yeah. far from where you're because I know me, it's bro, it was far because from Cali because we have to fly out of Cali because you go yeah. from here to there and that's like 10 hours from Cali to there. So, bro, so it took we out. flew, we flew to Cali, we had a layover, we were chilling in Cali for a bit, but like we were just in the airport and then we took the flight and we didn't fly directly into Tokyo, we flew like in a some other place, I forget exactly where, but we had to take the JR line or like the bullet train to get to Tokyo. And it was like a two hour train Ooh. ride to get into it, which was crazy. Um, but you was mad far then if yeah, it was two bro. hours by train. Yeah, yeah. that's mad far. God damn. Yeah, so it was like a whole like two <laughs> days spent traveling just to be there for like three days, which was nuts. But I fell in love with this shit, man. And it was just crazy. Um, and then like, I went, to, I went to school, went to Morgan State. All my homies put me on the anime. They're like, what, you never really dove into this? So I just like got an appreciation for that from that standpoint. And then like Curb hit me up, not Curb, but uh, Cram hit me up to make music on SoundCloud. And then that kind of just like made it like a stamp. Like I got to do this show. I got to go out there. I got to I gotta see more. I got to spend more time out there. And it kind of helped me because like when I went out there, I wasn't just like, I didn't feel like a tourist because mm. I knew people out there who knew my music, right? So I already had like Cram, I had Laugh Life, I had like other DJs and I had other rappers and like other people that are like on the scene out there already fucking with me. So... I was able to just move around and maneuver and have like all the right tools to do what I wanted to do. Like I stayed at Cram's place, like his apartment for like damn near a whole month. So I wasn't paying anything for like a hotel or nothing. And the food out there was mad cheap. We would hit up like 7-Eleven or like Lawson. We would go out there. They had like crazy good food. Like they got legit good food. Like you could sit there and eat it. Like it's a diner food. And we would do that every morning. Um, And it's like fresh food too. It's not like, They'll even heat it up for you. Like yeah. if you get it, they'll be like, wow. "Yo, you want me to heat this up?" And it's like, "Bad night, yes, please." <laughs> and the thing that's crazy about it too is like, if you want to get a beer out of there, right? Like, I, I would get beers and shit because I drink sometimes too, a good amount, probably more than I should. But you go to like the Lawson, they don't ask you for your ID. You just literally hit a button that says you're like 18, and you click it. They don't even <laughs> care. You walk out like a brown yeah. paper bag. You just walk around drinking a beer. They yeah. don't give a fuck man <laughs> culture was crazy so i did that and like every single night i was out there i was meeting somebody new whether they were like a hip-hop dancer like a, a 
DJ or like an artist painting or they did something and I was just like interacting with them and a lot of them just like they were trying to speak English because like that's what they that's like almost it's not really their second language I don't know if it really is but they would practice speaking English with me mm-hmm. and it just made it more comfortable to like have them come up to me and want to interact with me versus me like mm-hmm. you know not knowing anybody or anything and being a tourist and just walking around so I felt immersed into the culture and the people that I surrounded myself with and then so Cram was working at like a warehouse where he would like ship out records and stuff too when he wasn't DJing and during the day I would just hit like the JR line and just like get lost all in like Tokyo or like other cities that are on the outskirts of it and it was dope man like I did two shows in Fukuoka I did a show in Shibuya and then I did a show in Osaka that was the very first show I did when I was out there and that's like the first show I ever got like paid to do ever ever Man. overseas ever, which is bro. which is which all in its own is a topic for another podcast bro. about venues not wanting to pay artists justly but anyway bro, baltimore they're trying to, baltimore <laughs> they're trying to pay you shit you have to pay to have a show bro but yeah we'll say that right. for another time <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was just you crazy got, you got to do that up here too sorry i had to say that you got to do that up here too for a lot of yeah. people yeah they they, they I, mm. but it was cool because like they pay for the hotel they paid for our food they paid for me to perform and like i was sitting there rapping my album and it was crazy because like these motherfuckers like half of them didn't speak english but they knew the words to my songs and i'm just like what this is nuts um and it was just a wild experience uh yeah it was dope man that's crazy so, wow like so i can talk so about like, it all day but i'm not going yeah, to <laughs> nah, i bet yeah like but yeah like y'all y'all have these like y'all have y'all have these incredible um y'all have these incredible stories that are like you have these incredible stories associated with Japan and of course like you both mentioned several times you've worked like you've gone out of your way to work with several Japanese rappers and producers across these last couple of years which is really dope cuz you know like you know like there are a lot of people who think they like really love the culture and love Japan and whatever mm. but like y'all are actually like y'all actually took time to like meet these people and like connect with them and like make music regularly, not just like a one-off type shit. Like this is like a thing that you do, you know? So like, I was just, so it's like, before I move on to my last two questions about the last train, um, like as Americans who've taken an interest in Japanese culture and kind of immersed yourself in it, like, was it like, like, was that something that you really thought about while you were making music to like incorporate Japanese artists into your music or is that something that just kind of like happened and it was like oh shit like I did it (laughs) like for me it kind of just happened like I didn't expect it to happen at all like I was just so accustomed to making music with like the people that are the next thing like my niggas and shit I didn't think that it would be outside of that scope for real for to be honest with you so I only worked with like four or three other artists like me myself 100 men 100 Hobbs Aaron uh, Nora Ruffin and Baker and that was like literally it because we all were like from the same area and we all made like similar music. We all liked what we did. So that was it. So when the Internet like got a glimpse of like the stuff I was doing, it kind of just was different. And um, there's a lot of other artists in the DMV that are kind of like that, too, like RML, Sorry, You. And like there's a plethora of others, too, that you could just go down the list. But yeah, I, I had no idea. I had no idea until like the internet caught a hold of it. And then I had like Cram and other artists reach out to me trying to make music. And then I thought it was like a possibility that I could start collabing with a lot of these artists. And then I met him and it happened. So, yeah. That's fire. Kurt, what about you? Um, 
So I was in that really weird subsector of rap back in like 2000. I would say it was probably from 2009 to about 2000, I want to say 12-ish. I was kind of in that lane of like that nerd core um, rap where you had like the anime references and all of that, kind of like what the kids are doing these days. But like we did that like back in 2009, we were doing that stuff with the anime music videos. And like we were already on that and off that by that time. So um, I had kind of taken the nerdcore and kind of transformed it into more of a conceptual idea instead yeah. of it being just punchlines with anime <laughs> names and references. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> took that and conceptual, conceptualized it and was like, okay, cool, I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to whatever. So I was working on a project in 2011 called The Cherry Blossom Effect, Endless Dream Theory, long title, I know. But anyway, so I was working on The Cherry Blossom Effect. Of course, the name is inspired by Japan, blah, blah, blah. So I'm working on that. And the first song single that I put out for it was called Pink which is an acronym for Progression Innovation Needed Knowledge. So at the time I was watching Tenchi and Love, the movie, and I was making a beat while watching the movie. So I ended up making this beat really great. Um, I, I'm, well, they talk about sample snitching, but anyway, I sample, it's my own sample. Anyway, um, Winter Sadness. Um, I ended up sampling Winter Sadness and turned it into something really great. And I put it out. And I put the project out and it was my first, what I want to say, critically acclaimed um, project that actually went everywhere. Like nice. it went everywhere. Like there was like Chinese um, uh, blogs posting it. There were Japanese blogs posting it. There were French, like everywhere. Like it was going everywhere. And I sat down and I was going to work on the Re, like a, a re-release that was going to be like the call it the transcend edition where it was going to be like an extended I added um, some tracks to it I took some things off whatever um, and at that time I had got in contact because of that project um, with producer Phil Blanks who's out there in the UK he's in London so I ended up connecting with him during that time um, and he was like, yo, bro, I'm going to send you some beats, whatever, to be on the project. So he sent some beats. I did that. So that was like the first time I ever collabed with like an international like artist ever. Um, and I had known Phil Blanks before that a little bit because we had talked back and forth and I would send him beats and he would send me beats. We would critique and like do all that kind of stuff. Um, so we built that relationship. We worked and he was on that project. So then I ended up getting an email one day, which I thought was like, a scam, but I ended up getting this email from a producer from Japan. And um, they used to go by the name Free Design, but now they go by Dilo Think. And it's crazy how this is all going to circle around. But anyway, so Dilo Think hit, uh, hits me up and was like, hey, I like your music. Do you want beats? And I'm like, mm, I don't know about this because it seems a little whatever. So I was like, all right, cool, for sure. So he sends me a couple beats and I was like, yo, these are really good. So I'm like, hey, man, I'll send you some money for them. Like, how would you like me to send the money? Blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, no, like, I just want you to rap on these because I like your music and I think your music's good. And yeah. I think it'll be cool to work with an American artist. Mm. So I was like, oh, <clears throat> all right, for sure. So I rap on the two beats and everything, put it on the project and everything like that. 
So of course that spreads a little bit more in Japan, yada, yada, yada. Um, people started buying uh, in Japan, started buying the CDs because, you know, CDs were a thing back then. So the people are like buying up the CDs and I'm doing all these like sales in Tokyo through the CDs and all this and that. So fast forward to when we started working on the last train, um, Dex was doing his thing. He was like, yo, I got these rappers, Laugh Life. And, you know, I got Crown, got all these people. And I was like, that's great. And I was like, however, I don't want to be the guy that's just tagging along. Like I wanna carry my weight too and I wanna bring something to the table and I wanna make my own connections outside of your connections because like, I don't wanna ride your coattail. Like you're doing your thing, you made those connections, you work for that. Like I'm not just gonna come in and take those and whatever. So I was at the crib listening to beats like I usually do. And I was, so I had been following Dilo Think on Instagram and I, you know, I, you know, it just didn't really click until like we were looking for like venues and we were talking about looking for stuff in Japan. So I was like, well, why don't I look for an artist who's in Japan that can find venues and stuff like that? So I go to Dilo Think's Instagram page and I see a flyer for a show that they have called Table Beats at Jazzy Sports in Kyoto. And I was like, oh, OK, well, what is that? So I ended up like watching, I, you know, typed it in YouTube and I ended up watching one, which is like their version of Low End Theory in uh la so i'm watching it and as i'm watching it i'm kind of doing stuff in the background and then i hear like it's like these crazy beats and i'm like bro what is this so i look at the screen and there's a guy on there but everything in the chat is in japanese and i'm trying my best to translate it on my own and i'm like "Ah, i don't know it's moving too fast so i end up seeing somebody just write ball head in the chat And I was like, this must be the name of the producer, Ballhead. So I'm like, okay. uh, So I hop on Bandcamp, like I always do, and I type in Ballhead and see what shows up. Ballhead's uh, Bandcamp shows up. I click on it. I listen to one, the first beat on his uh, beat tape called Yella and bought the project based off of that. And then I bought his other one. And I'm sitting there listening to these beats, listening to these beats. And at the time, we were kind of hashing out the idea for The Last Train. So I'm talking to my wife and I was like, yo, uh, there's this Japanese producer. He's real good. Like he real good. And I think like, I want to get some beats from him for the project. Like you think I like, you know, so I'm talking about him on Twitter and everything. He sees that I'm talking about him on Twitter and then starts replying to my tweets. And I was like, oh snap, he's talking to me. So I was like, so what do I do now? So I follow him, then he follows me back. And I was like, all right, cool. Now what's the next step? And it's just really awkward. It's kind of like, you're like trying to date somebody and like trying to like talk to him. And it's like, how do I Felt maneuver? That. I don't want to come on too strong. I don't want to ever. So I'm like, okay, so what do I do now? So do I shoot my shot? I said, like, I'll give it two weeks. So I gave it two weeks. And then I just hit him up and was like, hey man, here's my music. Um, I really like your beats, whatever. Um, you know, I sent him all this stuff and he hits me back and it's like, oh yeah, I like your music. Usually I charge this much for beats, but I'll knock that in half for you because I like your music, whatever, like less work sends me a Dropbox of like a hundred something beats and was like, yo, check this out. (laughs) Um, So from there I'm working with him and then Dharma like hits me up and it's like, yo, I see you're working with Ballhead because he's also um, one of the producers on Table Beats as well. And he's like, hey, I see you working with Ballhead. It'd be cool if we worked on something together. And I was like, I was doing EP. And he was like, all right, say less, sends me the pack of beats. And he's like, you could have these for free. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm gonna pay you like, you know, whatever. So for me at first, it was kind of like, I fell into it and it kind of just happened. 
um, with Ballo Think. And then from there, it kind of been, it was something that I, in my later music that I kind of sought out, you know, kind of trying to, you know, pay it forward and stuff like that. Right. Nah. Yeah, nah, that's beautiful. Cause you always got to do that. Like, especially, especially when the, like, especially when there's that like cultural exchange happening, like that's just, that's just second nature, you know, like we'd want people to do that if like somebody was trying to come, come through and, you know, like be on some bullshit with like rap in the States. So I feel it a hundred percent. Um, so yeah. Um, so, so not to keep y'all too much longer, uh, talk to me about where the idea from the last train for the last train came from and like how this project really came together and how you two were like, fuck it, let's go. Oof. Well, you want to start from like how we were supposed to go out there or. All right. Yeah. So initially I was talking about, well, I reached out to, to Curb because she was like, I guess, were you trying to go out there for, it was like you something you and your, your wife were planning on doing, right? Uh, we, we had actually just got back. You got back. Okay. Yeah. Just got back from the second time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to him about going out there and I was like, man, I'm about to do a second tour out there. I was like working on music and stuff. Cause I put out the zero EP, which is me and Dan's project. It's an EP that came out. Um, before the last train we had a good press run on it and i was supposed to go out there for like release parties and everything to go like tour and i was talking to curb about it like would you want to come out there and like do shows and everything so he started making his connections too and then COVID hit right so we weren't going to go out there it wasn't going to happen everything kind of like fell on its face even after me and curb had already talked it out with mad people um and we had a larger group of people that were going to go with us but they i guess it kind of didn't work out it fell through um but then we decided, you know what, let's just try and group everything together and, and make this project called The Last Train. And we pieced up all the connections that we had made through trying to tour out there and put this project and body to work together. And the concept kind of comes from an experience that I had when I was out in Shibuya doing tours. Um, I was coming back from a show that I had uh and out there, I was like headlining at like three o'clock in the morning, like mad late, because that's like how places out there, they stay up to like six o'clock in the morning. And I stayed after uh, just to like chill with people. And I drank and was chilling. And then I ended up missing the last train to get back to Cram's house. So I was chilling in Shibuya, like at the crosswalk where they got like the, the I forget the dog's name. But I'm sitting like Achiko. I'm sitting right next to Achiko, like petting him, like reminiscing, like thinking about life and how crazy it is with like literally a bunch of other kids that are out there just like drinking and having fun, but it's just chill. Like there's no cops. It's not a lot of bullshit going on. It was just like a good time to reflect. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I guess where the concept really came from. Just like making sure you don't miss the last train. You take advantage of opportunities that are put in front of you and you just go get it end of the day. Yeah. So he is funny. Cause he hit me up on Twitter and was like, the, the first message was just like, Hey, you want to go on go on tour in Japan? And I was just like, <laughs> there was no other context. There was no nothing. It just, do you want to go on tour in Japan? And I was just like, uh, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Um, and we had started talking about it. Um, actually, it was 2019 when we started talking about it. I remember because I was taking I was taking Japanese again during mm. that time. So it was 2019. Mm. We were taking it. Uh, well, when we were talking about the tour, and I had just so happened to be taking Japanese again. It just kind of all kind of lined up. So we were doing that, and um, Dex sent that out, and I was like, "All right, sure." So what do we need to do? So the, originally there was like a tour manager guy who was supposed to be looking for venues and doing all this stuff. 
And that kind of just didn't happen. So during that time, I was telling Dex, I was like, yo, like I've been doing research on, on IG and I've been found, like I had a list of venues, like contact information, location, like all that stuff. I had a list of venues. And I was like, look, like if I was able to do this on my own, like sitting around, like there's no reason why the two of us can't put our heads together and our resources together to do this. I was like, instead of having a middleman, like we can use the connections that we already have in Japan and talk to them and whatever. And then we can do the work on our end and just put it all together. So then we ended up putting, you know, some more people behind it and everything. And we started hashing out ideas. And then um, Dex had the idea, a genius idea. And he was like, yo, why don't we just do a project with the people that are already over there? So it's not like we're just coming over there performing our music in their country and kind of giving them something that they can like relate to and stuff. And I was like, yo, that's a great idea. Um, Let's get it going. So I was like, you know, I make beats. There were other people that were producers as well and rappers that were part of the people that were originally supposed to go. Um, So I had the idea. I was like, well, if you want to make this a true collaborative project, let's make a Dropbox. And if you have drum loops, if you have sample loops, if you have completed beats, if you have beats that just need bass lines or keys or whatever, throw it in the Dropbox. And that way we all have access to it. So if I go in there and see, okay, Dex threw a sample loop on there, I can contact Dex and be like, hey, um, did you want drums on this? If so, like, here's this idea. And I can lay out the idea and then put it back in the Dropbox and then somebody else can add to it or whatever. So that was the original idea that we had. Um, But then it just came down to me being the only person throwing beats up. So I'm just throwing up all these beats in the Dropbox, just throwing them up, throwing them up. And then... Dex would like text me like right after I put something up and be like, yo, I got a verse written to this beat. And I'd be like, wait, what? I'm like, I just put the beat up. Like it's only been like eight minutes. All right, I'm about to record it and send it to you. And I'm like, how? So he recorded, send it back. So that's pretty much how the process went was like me just throwing up beats. And then I was kind of following Dex's lead where it was like, okay, if he sends this back to me, I can build on it more. I already have the verse. I can kind of build around it or I can take things out or whatever. And then if we have other people featuring on it, then, you know, so it became one of those things where it was just like a bunch of back and forth emails between everybody. And then because I was doing the engineering and everything, I was having to get the vocal stems from everybody so I can mix them down to at least make it sound like we recorded it in the same place, um, which was the most important thing for me is making sure that it all sounded cohesive, um, which is another reason why it took so long for the project is because I wanted everything to be sound good. that's how it happened. Yeah. And once Dex kind of went over that story about like, you know, being out there and everything. And I I was like, yo, like, what if we just called this like the last train and structured it in a way where it was like, you missed the last train. And then that's why the the first track is called last train. And the last track is called first train. It's because it's like, oh, we missed it. Now we got to catch that first train. And it's kind of like you do the whole thing over again. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 that's such a story, but cause like, cause, cause like I remember when you first sent me the project and um, the, and yeah, this must've been like last summer when you sent it to me and I listened and I was like, this is really tight. And the first, and, and like the first thing that came to mind hearing it was that like, it's really interesting to hear that there was like that, that, that like cohesion was such a big thing for you putting this together because one of my favorite aspects of this project is that like some of it feels like it almost feels like kind of spontaneous in a way like 
even though like you're both on every song in some capacity it's not always in the same capacity like mm-hmm. some song like 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 some songs you're both rapping some songs it's one of you rapping and curb producing one of, uh some songs uh i don't think there there might be if i remember correctly there's one song on here that doesn't have either of you rapping on it but like it just kind of gives mm-hmm. but, but like it just kind of gives it this like spontaneous energy that i haven't really heard anywhere else in a while like there's like definitely the concept and it's there and it's really cool but i just get this like it just feels like there's just like a sense of movement to it that <laughs> i can't believe i'm about to say this that kind of feels like a train i don't know yeah, but yeah. It just, it, no, it, like, yeah that's what it's supposed to be yeah. that's that's I spent the, that's what i got from it like i spent a lot of time structuring the track list like luckily i'm really glad that Dex and everybody kind of gave me pretty much just creative freedom. They were just like, yo, mix it and do whatever. <laughs> so a lot of it was just me sitting down and trying to figure out what would the natural flow of this sound like and how would these moods kind of translate throughout the thing, like the whole entire project. So I spent a lot of time trying to be like, okay, so we missed the last train. Like if I missed the last train, what would be my next initial thoughts? And then that's why God is the second track where Dex is talking about like, yo, like I'm happy, like we just made it here. Like I'm happy, like we're just existing in this space and we're trying to make the most out of it and everything. So it's like, I'm listening to the songs, I'm structuring, taking songs out, moving songs around and like everything like that. So I'm really glad that I was able to have that freedom to like name the tracks or like to just put them in order and everybody liked it. So, you know, I guess it was a plus though, for sure. Yeah. That was awesome. They did a great job, for real. Thank you. Thank you. 100%. That's incredible. So one of my last two questions for you is, like, you guys made the project. You got it out. <laughs> you you pressed it to wax, which was, like, a whole journey that you've both kind of been posting about a bunch. And it's really great to see that because it's out, like, it's out everywhere. Like, I've been seeing, I, I, I've been seeing y'all talk about, like, mailing shit to people all across the states but you also had a moment if i remember correctly where the last train was in a record store in japan mm-hmm. and like how did like how yep. does having how does having that full circle moment for like i mean like i mean like dex has already been there and i'm sure crap I'm, I'm not sure Kirk, i'm sure Kirk, you've also been there too but like this feels like this feels like a next step in that journey so like seeing that how did that feel knowing what i know now about how extensively you guys's relationship with the country runs yeah, it's kind of just like you know we can't be there physically but having something that we created and put a lot of time and passion to be there for people over there to really just consume and appreciate means so much and it's not like we went through a label or anything else like we did it all off the strength right. of our own pocket bro like mm-hmm. this is our dollars that we work for this is our connections that we made like i had one of my co-workers help master it for a vinyl curb did the mixing and mastering for like the digital release but we had to find somebody completely different for that side because it's not like it's not the same thing i don't know how many people like know about it but you can't take a master that you do digitally and just like throw it to a vinyl company to to throw on wax. It's going to skip, it's going to jump, it's going to bounce and everything, mm. and it won't work at all. It's not going to be good. So I had to have it like broken down and the levels made right so it could be pressed to wax. And my boy Eric, shout out to you, Eric. 
Uh, I'm going to send it to you when we're done with this. But, yeah, he helped me out with it 100%. I sat down with him as he did it, and I we got the test presses. I went over to his house to listen to the test press to make sure everything was good. Because initially when, when Curb got the test presses back, he had a sick he was sick bro like he sent me videos it was like skipping and shit i'm like damn (laughs) i didn't have it yet i didn't have it yet so i'm thinking in my head like fuck i gotta curse this nigga eric out because he fucked up the last (laughs) shit but then i was thinking back like hmm hold up hold up hold up hold up what is he listening to this on what does the record look like and then it came out like he just had like it wasn't the best record player And yeah. it was like kind of busted. So when I got the test press, I sat down with it because I I'm, I got a crazy record collection. Like I've been collecting records for a minute. Um, so I got like two record players. I ran it through. It sounded great. And then I took it over to Eric's house too, the guy who mastered it. And it sounded fine for him. And he was just like, maybe, maybe Curve just doesn't have a good record player. So we just looked at it like that. And yeah, my good record player that I had that I was using, like when I was like, sam- like you know, when I sampled from vinyl and stuff, that joint, like it just it just stopped working on me. So like I ended up getting like a one to kind of just hold me over for the time being. Yeah. And that joint, man, it, <laughs> it messed it, bro. I'm telling you, I was so sick, bro. I was like, oh. I know I was, too. <laughs> I was mad as I was furious. I was like, we spent this brain for them to fuck this up. Like, nah, bro. No, <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> uh, but luckily it worked out, man. And uh, when I saw the actual production version of it with the cover on it and everything and crystal faces work, I was like, this is crazy full circle you know it looks like a complete finished body of work that we spent all this time on and it's finally going to be able to like be in the hands of people that really want it especially out there too you know and i think it got embraced so much out there because like like curve said we have artists on there so it wasn't just like us trying to push our agenda to them Mm. right it was part of their, their catalog too right and it just came full circle that way to me yeah, that's why that's why I wanted to ask y'all that question about like reaching out to artists to work with and like building these connections early on because like that's like that's the type of shit you reap when you do it right. You right. know, like right. it's it's it feels organic or it doesn't feel genuine. organic. It is organic. Yeah, it's genuine. It's yeah. it's real, you know, like right. it's it's not just like opportunist shit. So like, like y'all Y'all should be applauded for that for sure. Like for Thank real. You. Thank you. Like yeah, Cram, I talk to Cram like damn there every other day. You're like that's like one of my really close friends now for real. And same with Dan too. Uh, Dan had a baby. He was sending me pictures of his baby and stuff, and he was calling me your godfather. So it's just like nuts to have all that wow. like you know come to fruition to this man. project. So, yo, that's od. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't want to keep y'all much longer because we've been going for what feels like I think almost like I think it's been I've been doing this for over two hours. Holy shit! Damn. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> Yo. Wow, that's my fault. I'm sorry. No, um, sure. it's, it's been a blast, man. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, thank y'all. So my very very last question, um, just because I'm curious and because this is a movie podcast, what's the last movie you watched and did you enjoy it? Mm. Mm. Uh, last movie I watched. Last movie I watched. Last movie I watched. Damn. Oh, the last movie. Oh wait, no, that's not a movie. Dang. Uh, or like, or like, or like, if that's too much, it could be like the last movie, TV show, any sort of like. I don't even know what to call it. Like just any okay. sort of like thing you've seen. The last thing that I've seen was the uh, Adventure Time Finn and Jake back together again. Um, oh, the special? Yeah, that was Crazy. the last thing that I can remember that wasn't 
that I guess it's kind of like a movie, like 40 minutes. Outside of that, I've been watching a lot of House Hunters. But anyway, but um, <laughs> that was the last thing that I watched. I really enjoyed it. I think the way they opened it was probably one of the darkest moments in that whole entire series, which is already got its dark moments. But the way they opened it with with Finn and everything, like that was probably one of the darkest things that I've seen from the series. And I'm pretty glad they took it in that direction for like the closing, closing chapter. That's cool. Cause like, <laughs> cause like I'm not fully caught up on adventure time. I've been meaning to finish it. And I just like, haven't had the time to like mainline it the way I wanted to. Cause I wasn't watching it like that when it was like new. But one thing that I've heard about the specials is that they've all been, they've all kind of taken it in that more kind of like mature and not grounded, but like definitely more mature and like dark direction that like kind of you feel would come from something on hbo so that's dope like that's what i've been hearing from all all my people who like actually like are invested in adventure time like that so that's mm. fire that's fire that's dope I need Dex, to watch what about it. you yeah so the last movie that i watched I, it was trash it was army of the dead on netflix but i don't even want to uh, talk about it i don't even want to talk about it i thought it was terrible okay. it was like the worst zombie killing movie i've ever seen in my life like my favorite probably is 28 days later that's yes. a fire movie, Bruh. man. That's, classic. That's, that's my favorite zombie movie. So I tried to like hold every other zombie movie up to that or um, Zombieland because Zombieland is like the comedy version of like a zombie movie. But also, it didn't, it didn't hold a flame to either one of those. But ah. the, the last thing that I actually enjoyed that I watched was Tokyo Revengers. Oh, and the anime? Yo. Yeah, yeah, it's like so the animation is just it's like new animation style it's not really hand-drawn or anything like that but the story is really interesting to me because you follow this kid who was like a a rebellious kid and like a delinquent growing up and he kind of just like ditched all that to become just like a regular citizen of life and he hated where he was at and then it's like the first episode so there's not really any spoilers or anything but he, he was supposed to die and then he eventually like goes back into time to like try to better his life and help out people that are in his past, our future now that are like going through shit um but yeah it's just cool to like see that format of an anime where it's two different paths that he had to like go through and like see to just like reflect on and, and better himself as a person um but yeah that's that's what i enjoyed i'm actually caught up on it right now i think it's only on episode eight but it's cool yeah i yeah i just yeah i saw i saw the first episode of tokyo revengers uh not too long ago i was just talking to my homegirl about it yesterday actually because yeah. because she's been tapped in and like i'm really excited to see where that goes because yeah. the yeah, yeah, because the manga is cool from what i've read is is also really really dope so yeah it's good i like it so far hell yeah but yo like thank y'all man this was tight no, thank like, you <laughs> thank you man. i appreciate thank it you. so much yeah, oh yeah no yeah absolutely like i'm just like this was like like i heard this and i knew this was something that we had to do so i appreciate y'all like yeah like it's it's been like i think almost like two and a half hours so like holy shit like <laughs> thank y'all man <laughs> like wow yeah. no this is really good conversation i'm gonna have to check out that place tiktok in jersey too when i'm out there again uh, yeah let me yeah let me know when you fall through we gotta make that happen for sure for sure thanks for listening shout out to y'all for making it this far Shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.